L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have a ton of questions about LASIK? You're not alone. That's why we created LASIK.com, one place where you can go to find every answer to every question on your mind. Like, how much does LASIK cost? How long does recovery take? How do I find a doctor? If you've been thinking about LASIK, go to LASIK.com now. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Round of applause. Sam, you're embarrassing me. My goodness. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. As DeSager told you, two game sevens tomorrow in the NBA. We'll discuss those coming up. We got a new co-worker here at Fox Sports. We'll discuss that as well, but we'll start with the NFL schedule. Jason Martin, first of all, how are you? How's your Saturday? How's the weather down there in Nashville? Everything going good with you, my man? Generally so. Still recovering from the broken foot, but last night I was at a concert, and on the way out, as my wife and I were getting to the car, there was a dude on the side of a road with a sign that said, Need money for weed. At which point I was like, I appreciate the honesty. Not actually going to give you that money, but I appreciate the honesty. And it was just like, you know what? I feel like it's a good sign for our program in terms of just where we can take it tonight and the brutal honesty with which we are going to attack the sports universe over the next four hours. Because some guy needs money for weed in Nashville? Uh, no, just the idea that somebody else wants to be honest yes. in that way and okay. not just say, hey, man, need this, God bless, all those things. If you don't mean that, if he's just going to be honest, I wonder if that actually pans out. Like, does that work for him? Is that a backfire situation? I don't know, but I use that integrity. He has integrity in that moment, knowing that it could cost him. 
here tonight, we're going to have integrity as it relates to James Harden, as it relates to the NFL schedule, as it relates to what we saw last night in the NBA, what we're likely to see tomorrow in the NBA. Let's do this. Let's do it. And as you said, the big there's a lot going on in sports right now. This is a really fun time of year. Uh, obviously, as DeSager told you, three Game 7s in, in the NHL tonight, including one right about to drop the puck in Edmonton between the Kings and the Oilers. Two Game 7s last night in the NBA. But probably the big theme of the week, the big story of the week, I would argue, is what happened on Thursday night in the NFL, the schedule release. So we got all sorts of good stuff every single game is out we obviously got some leaks throughout the week a lot of exciting games week one obviously highlighted by the opener bills at rams ends week one with russell wilson's return to seattle with the broncos and on and on through the season i have a lot of notes here written down about a lot of different teams but if i said to you jason the biggest story from thursday night or the most interesting in terms of the nfl schedule it would be what I don't know if there's one like story. I mean, it's a schedule release ultimately. Like it's just we're learning what the games are. I think more than anything, it's looking at who's got prime time and being able to extrapolate what we already knew, which is if you got a stud quarterback, you're going to be in prime time. Look at the Denver Broncos. That's my team. That's that's been my team since a youth. Uh, no Monday Night Football last year. Five prime time games because Russell Wilson's the quarterback now. You look at. You look at what it is, the criteria that goes into this. Yes, there are computers, but then there are humans. And you think about the quality of the quarterback and what a superstar looks like, what that can draw in terms of attention. You look at tradition. You look at you know history and winning. And then finally, you look at market size. Because you can't look at market size first, considering the Jets and the Giants have one each. Because they stink, and no one wants to see them, even though they're in New York. You look at L.A., it's different, because both those teams have Super Bowl aspirations. Both the Chargers, as well as the Rams, and if you want to stay in California, there are other teams as well that are looking towards that. But I think it's more that. It's just, you look at the, you look at the teams with prime time, and you can judge right there what the NFL finds most marketable. So that might be the first thing that stands out to me. I, I you know, I think in general, uh, you know, that's kind of what stands out to me. Listen, the, obviously the primetime games are going to be Sunday Night Football, which is the most watched television show in America annually. Uh, Monday Night Football, and then I think Thursday Night Football took on added intrigue as Amazon Prime now is is going to have those Thursday night games. And so let's start there because to me, you know, obviously I think one the NFL one th- one thing that. I took away from Thursday night. The NFL is the greatest marketing machine that we have in America right now, turning everything into an opportunity to promote its product. And so one of the new aspects of NFL coverage next season is going to be that Thursday night game, Amazon Prime. Al Michaels, for people who don't know, is going over there. Kirk Herbstreet will be joining him for whatever it is, 16, 17 weeks there on Thursday nights. And that, that was one thing that stood out to me, and we can go in a lot of different directions. But that Amazon Prime, you know, that, that Thursday night, Sometimes it's those divisional games. It's somewhat of a, I don't want to say throwaway, because it's been an important property for the NFL, and obviously the last few years it's been on Fox. But you look at the games they get starting in Week 2 with Chargers at Chiefs. Uh, you know, some of them don't look great on paper until you kind of realize the subtle uh, you know, uh, storylines behind it. Dolphins at Bengals early in the season will be two against Joe Burrow, rematch of you know their their college days. Ravens at Bucks, your Titans at Green Bay, Bills at Patriots. So that was one thing that jumped out to me, and again, Again, we can jump in a lot of different directions, but first of all, 
That Thursday night schedule is beefed up, heading to Amazon with a lot of really good games on that schedule. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, and they want look, that's exclusive. Amazon paid a lot of money for it. The NFL is going to bend over backwards to make that work because that's just going to encourage Apple to pay for pay an arm and a leg and five other legs if they have to to get Sunday ticket and to get involved in all of this. So I think there's that. The other thing that stands out is Christmas. We yep. talked about how mm-hmm. they were going to dunk on the NBA. They've got a triple header. Not only do they have a triple header, I'm not sure who it was that pointed this out, but I heard this a couple of days ago. I wish I could credit whoever I heard it from. But I, maybe it was from a couple of different people. But look at the matchups yep. that they are putting forth. And then look at the corresponding matchup that could have been for the NBA on those days. Like, you can look at it and you can see exactly what they're doing. For example, they're doing Denver and the Rams. Yeah, that matchup makes sense with Russ and Matthew Stafford and everything else. I get that, but it's also Nuggets-Lakers. That's that's one possibility because you expect even if the Lakers are the Lakers, you still got LeBron James. They're still going to want them there. You've got Tampa and Arizona. So right there, you've got the Phoenix Suns. If you just want to look at it from the perspective of who they were going to put on. And then what's the other one? One of them is Green Bay, Green Bay and, and Miami. And Miami. So that is Heat Bucks. Look at that from that perspective. Games that you might assume would be on the slate for Christmas Day for the NBA in those markets. We're going to throw those teams out there, and now good luck to you. It's like the NFL doesn't even need to do this, and yep. they're still wielding a giant steel-toed boot to kick everyone else in the arse. This, that, is, that was exactly my takeaway when I saw it. You know, Arguably, I think you could argue legitimately the three most uh, marketable teams in the league right now, Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers playing that early game, the Rams obviously the reigning Super Bowl champs, and then Tampa Bay with Tom Brady, uh, and not even to mention Arizona's obviously projected to be really good, Denver as well, Miami going to be interesting with all those new weapons weapons that Tua has but I hadn't really thought of it like that where where if you're a say a Lakers fan and the Lakers have another start to the season kind of like this year and uh, do you, do you, you're going to put people in LA in a tough situation you're going to put people in Arizona in a tough situation where you only get whatever it is eight or nine home games a year and one of them might directly co- coincide or correspond with a Phoenix Suns game on that same day. I hadn't even thought of that, but that's a really interesting perspective that that you know the the NFL not only just taking over the day by having three games and for people who don't remember Jason and I were on this past year Christmas Day was on a uh was yeah. on a Saturday and Cleveland Green Bay was the big game that day but there were two games this past Christmas Day and Jason and I kind of talked a lot during that show about the possibility of hey it seemed like on you know social media isn't a direct reflection of everything but it seemed like just about everybody that I followed was locked into that Browns Packers game nobody was paying attention to the NBA and then the ratings reflected 24 25 Five million people watching that green that Green Bay Cleveland game. You follow you followed up, and we talked that night about is this something the NBA and NFL is going to consider? It seems as though they've kind of backed off Christmas Day, let the NBA have that, but they got a taste of it this past year. In previous years, when when Christmas Day fell on a Sunday, they would play all the games on Saturday. There will be a bunch of games this this year on Saturday, but now you not only have three games, Jason, you have three games with teams that people want. 
excuse me, that want to watch. But then more importantly, and I think this is an important point, as you just said, maybe make some of the people in those markets make a tough decision of, do I go to this game versus that game? Do I stay at home? If I'm a Phoenix Suns fan do you know, or a, a Milwaukee Bucks fan and I got tickets to that Christmas Day game, do I stay at home because I want to see the Packers? I hadn't even thought of that, Jason, but that's a really good point. Yeah, I mean, think about Milwaukee-Miami. That might be the Eastern Conference Finals. So that would likely be a game that you would want to schedule if you're Adam Silver for the NBA for Christmas Day would be Heat Bucks. And now you're looking at Green Bay and Miami. The other thing you do with a triple header is you blanket the entire day with a football game all day. It's the same thing as Thanksgiving when they added more. But then, you know, you start right there at noon on the East Coast. Then you got a then you've got a late afternoon kick and an evening kick. So there's no window in which the NBA does not have a football game from the National Football League as direct competition. There is no way I believe that's accidental, meaning not not even just the fact that they're not overlapping the games and they're doing three, but the markets that were picked, because there are technically better teams you could have selected, but if you're trying to have the double whammy, you may have accomplished that. Looking at some other schedule stuff, one thing that stood out to me, uh, Tampa Bay, uh, their schedule, I'll say this, we're going to talk about Tom Brady and what what's to come after his playing career. What the Tampa Bay schedule to me says, and I understand they're a first-place team, they're going to play a first-place schedule. To me, this screams of the NFL saying, if we have, if we only have one year of Tom Brady left, we are going to squeeze every drop yep. out of the Tom Brady sponge that we possibly can. For people who don't know off the top, uh, you know, don't know the schedule off the top of your head, at Cowboys, the first Sunday night game of the season. Week three, they pay, play the Packers. Week four, they play the Chiefs. They play later in the season the Ravens with obviously Lamar Jackson. Then the Rams at home. The Browns late in the season, where if Deshaun Watson has some sort of punishment from the league, you would expect that he would be back. The Bengals late in the season with Joe Burrow. The Cardinals on Christmas Day, as we just said, with Kyler Murray. The division may stink. You got six clunkers against the NFC South, but just about every other game that Tampa is going to play this year is going to be a marquee game. Well, you say it's clunkers, but the Saints have owned Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. So you could throw that one there, too. But, you know, I mean, you look at the divisions that they have to play. So they get a few games here, and then they're playing first-place schedule, just like the Bills, either the Bills schedule or the Titans or whatever. The teams that won divisions are playing a lot of good opponents, and that's a good thing for the NFL to do because it creates a whole lot of marquee matchups that were recently the games everybody would have wanted to see. Like, if you schedule this four or five years down the road, who knows? But if you schedule this immediately the next season, the way that they set this up, it just creates a bunch of must-see opportunities for the NFL. Not that they need them, but the schedule... I mean, honestly, there's not a whole lot to really break down in terms of negativity. Like, all of this, there's going to be something to watch almost every week. And and it's a, it's a monumental undertaking to try and set this up and to make sure that networks are as happy as they can be and you're dealing with international games and you're worrying about time and overlap and all these other things and other than the fact that some teams get screwed on a bye week I mean there are teams I think there's like five or six teams Aaron that have a bye week in week 14 that's a hell of a lot of football to play before you get your week off those teams are going to be ravaged. Like, think about week 11, 12, and 13 for those teams and what the injuries could look like. I know this firsthand because the Titans had an extremely late bye last year, and they had a record number of injuries with over 90 guys having to suit up for them. This year, they've got to buy the first opportunity in week six, which means there's a heck of a lot of football to play after that time, but you can't, you, everybody can't have the bye in the same week, so you have to do the best you can.
This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Saturday night, we are just getting started. Plenty more coming up on the NFL schedule. And then, of course, we'll switch our attention to the NBA playoffs, which are really ramping up. Two Game 7s tomorrow. Two big Game 6s last night that we have to react to as well. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. This is Fox Sports Radio. Hey, this is Jason McIntyre. Join me every weekday morning on my podcast, Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre. This isn't your typical sports pod pushing the same tired narratives down your throat every day. Straight Fire gives you honest opinions on all the biggest sports headlines, accurate stats to help you win big at the sports book, and all the best guests. Do yourself a favor and listen to Straight Fire with Jason McIntyre on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Saturday night, got a lot to get to. Busy, busy, busy night. Uh, One game seven in the NHL just dropped puck. Uh, Edmonton 0-0 with the Kings. DeSegro, get you caught up. up, Get you caught up on that and much more here in just a few minutes. Jason and I reacting to the NFL schedule. Jason, I want to throw a few other things at you that kind of jumped out to me from the NFL schedule. First of all, I'll say this. We just talked Tom Brady. Um, and, you know, the guy that he's kind of always kind of tied to outside of Bill Belichick, obviously, but a guy that he's tied to pretty regularly, Aaron Rodgers. And obviously we know it's been a crazy offseason with the Packers, with Aaron Rodgers resigning, de- trading Devontae Adams, etc. And I think at first glance you look at the, the, the Packers' schedule and you see a couple kind of marquee games. They play the Rams late in the season at home. Uh, <clears> they play your Titans on a Thursday night. They play the Cowboys in the middle of the season. They play the Bucks early in the year. But what I see is a team that has, obviously, again, six divisional games against teams that they have generally dominated. Minnesota might be a little bit better. We'll see what happens with you know Justin Fields, Chicago, etc. They also have cross-divisional games with the NFC East, which is abysmal, and the AFC East, which once you get past Buffalo is pretty abysmal. One thing that jumped out to me, and I know, again, they still have Tampa, they still have the Rams. This feels like a team that, once again, they could rip off a, 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 a regular season in which they either get the number one overall seed in the NFC or at very least home field advantage, clinch the division with ease, and we really know nothing about them going in the playoffs. And it might be like you and I, like last year when you and I were on during that San Francisco game, that was one thing that I stood out. That stood out to me. Obviously, a bunch of games against the Bears, the Lions, the Vikings. Then you got the Giants, the Jets, the Commanders. You go on and on down the list. There are a lot of winnable games, which I think again sets them up to again have a great record and us not really know much about them going into the playoffs. Okay, so I want to take what you just said and go to the next logical place because I agree with every word you just said. So what does that mean? It means if they don't, this is going to ding Aaron Rodgers' legacy. Ooh. It's going to it's going to give Devontae Adams a whole lot of credit for what just took place over the last few years because I agree a million percent. The the uh, NFL Nation reporter for ESPN, Domovsky, who writes about the Packers for a living, he's predicting them to win a minimum of 14 games this year. Hmm. He's got them 14 and 3. He's like the way he starts his his piece is there Matt LaFleur is not going to match his 13 game win total from the last 3 seasons. He's going to exceed it. Wow. And you what you just said, you laid it out. They've got the Bills, they've got the Titans. That's a matchup of last year's number 1 seeds. You talked about Thursday night and Sunday night and what they're doing. Well, that's last year's number 1 AFC, number 1 NFC matching up in Green Bay right before Thanksgiving. Then you've got the Rams. Outside of that, you've got some games that are going to be challenging. But 
you're Aaron freaking Rodgers, right? Like that 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 schedule, you should own that if you're one of the greatest to ever play. So I look at it and I say, that's me and I'm Aaron Rodgers and I care. That's a lot of pressure on me because I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what their team's going to look like without MVS and certainly without Devontae Adams. I don't know. But Aaron Rodgers has made it so because of his contract and because of Devontae leaving and all of what has played out here. He has made it so the spotlight is damn sure on him and nobody else. So if they end up going, I would even say 10-7, and seven, to me that, that's, that's getting close to dinging the legacy. Just a little bit. I know he's a little bit older, but he just got paid an exorbitant amount of money because he's Aaron Rodgers. So now I look at that schedule, and that's my conclusion from what you said is, well, they better, or it's going to prove a lot about Devontae Adams' value. The other thing that, that kind of jumped out to me, one, I agree with all that. Two, I could also see a scenario where there's always one or two teams this time of year where we just kind of pencil them in for a division title or for this many wins or potentially playing for a number one seed. And I could see the scenario where they're just flat out not as good as 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 we expect them to be. Now I don't think they're going to be, uh, you know, three and fourteen. Obviously, if Aaron Rodgers is healthy, but I I, I could see the scenario because you know this is one thing uh, when working with Arnie for years, he always does the whatever the stat is. But every single year, there's one, two, three teams that won the division the previous year that did not win it, uh, that, that don't win it the following year. And I I don't think the Packers are there yet. Obviously, the Vikings will be interesting with the new coaching staff. The Bears again with Justin Fields. Maybe he makes a big jump in year two. We'll see about that. But I could see the scenario where where you know they're the hot team in Vegas, and we'll talk to Bernie later about this. But they're the hot team in Vegas. Everybody goes over the win total. Everybody picks them to go fourteen and three, thirteen and four, something like that. And then they're creeping towards the finish line, whatever. Uh, because as you said, Jason, there's just a lot of um, you know. Listen, they're they're they're. They they are who they are and they've had a ton of success, but there has been a lot of off season overhaul. I would argue a little bit of turmoil. Obviously, they beefed up the defense during the draft, anticipating that the offense won't be as explosive. And I could see that scenario where everyone just pencils them in to go fourteen and three, and all of a sudden it, we look up and it's week eight, week nine, and they're I don't know five and three, five and four, something like that. Well, if they are, I think that's going to be that's going to be a giant story. I also think they could end up 16 and 1 and in no way do I believe that they're better than they were last year. I'm Fair. not going to care. I'm not going to care what their record is going into the playoffs. I know that Aaron Rodgers has a sub 500 record in the playoffs since winning the Super Bowl. I know that. I know he has lost 5 NFC championship games. I know he lost in the first round in his divisional game last year against a 49ers team and really a lot of it was on him. Couldn't do anything offensively that night if they're 16 and 1 I just I'm going to need to see something from their receiving core that tells me that Aaron Rodgers is still capable of making a Devontae Adams if indeed that's the narrative you want to run with or making a Jordy Nelson and maybe he is the Packers must be betting on that or banking on it because in I just don't see them as being right now personally I don't think they're a threat for the Super Bowl I don't and I know the NFC is very weak especially compared to the loaded AFC, I don't look at that team and think they can win a Super Bowl as currently constructed. If they do, then Aaron Rodgers might be worth everything that they paid him. (laughs) 
I actually agree with that sentiment, and it sounds crazy because when Bernie comes on, I'm sure we'll be talking about the futures odds, and I'm sure they're probably getting a, a pretty penny uh, early on just because, again, the schedule is manageable, the division, man- division is manageable, etc. You mentioned how loaded that AFC is, and, and one thing that stood out to me as well, and I actually heard Dan, Dan Patrick talk about it on his show on Friday, Cleveland Browns, they have an early uh, Thursday night game against the Steelers, and then they don't play another game outside of the 1 p.m. Eastern time window until Halloween, which is about week seven, week eight this year. And Dan surmised, and I'm kind of stealing his take, so it was on our airwaves, so I'll give him credit for it, that this probably means that there is some sort of suspension coming forward to Sean Watson. I don't know if you if you bothered to look at the Browns schedule. I know it's probably not at the top of your priority list when you're breaking down the schedule Friday morning, Jason, but you think there's anything to the possibility that maybe the NFL, somebody in that scheduling office knows that there might be something coming for Deshaun Watson and they kind of backloaded the schedule with a, you know, a late game against the Bengals in the division, a late game against the Bills, a late game against the Bucks, things like that. Yeah, you know, I I uh, looked at the schedule now o'clock, meaning I just brought it up as you were talking. Panthers, Jets, Steelers, Falcons, Chargers is the first one. Look, Pittsburgh's never going to be easy, but they're in flux at quarterback right now. Chargers week five is really the first one you can really point to. Patriots, like it's a Belichick coach team, they'll play hard even if they're understaffed. The Ravens is a divisional game, and then it's Cincinnati. So it definitely looks like if they're, at the very least, it's like they're preparing, hey, if you've got a four to six game suspension, you're coming back into the fire. You're not coming back into the lazy river. Like you're coming into the into the rapids here. You're not going to be in a tube floating with a beverage. You are going to have to fight for your life. One last scheduling thing before we get to DeSager. Saw some pushback on this. The Patriots with five primetime games tied for the most of anybody in the NFL. You think the NFL, especially by the way, a lot of those games are late in the year. Now, granted, they are marquee opponents. We got a Sunday night game. Well, Vikings, I don't know if they're a marquee opponent, but Vikings late in the season, uh, a Sunday night game. It looks as though I think it's a Saturday night. I don't know. They they play the Bills in primetime. They play the the Cardinals in primetime. Do you think the NFL is going to regret five games with the Patriots in primetime? Because Mac Jones, you know, he was kind of a fun story early, but the offense really sputtered late. The team sputtered late. They got embarrassed in the playoffs. And there wasn't really a lot of movement in the offseason that makes us think they're going to be significantly better next year. I think Mac Jones could could certainly take that second year step. He could he could do it just like a Trevor could do it or a Zach Wilson or anybody else. But the problem is the skill talent around him is not very good. This is as you were saying that five primetime games. Look, you ever had? Has your wife ever made a meal where there's sauce or something like that left behind? Like you've gone and you've added a little bit of sauce to whatever it is, some pasta dish or meat dish or whatever it is. But there's still the, there's still like the the tray over by the stove, and it's still got decent sauce in it. As you're finishing dinner, Aaron, and you're taking your wonderful plate to your wonderful sink. If it's me, I'm always going over there for that sauce. Like if there's a little bit of Parmesan left over or something, I'm going to see if I can scrape a little bit off of that with the spoon because it was really good. good. My wife knows how to cook. That's good stuff. You know? good sauce. That's what it is. That's funny. (laughs) That's what it is. It's That's the Belichick sauce that's still over there that they still feel like they can mine a little bit out of for one of two reasons. One, the Patriots are decent. Or two... 
everybody still likes the spectacle of Bill Belichick falling in prime time. I was just going to say, if they lose, you know, they, they, they do still have that hated element where it's weird. I hadn't really considered it until this second, but I think Brady's gotten more likable since he left New England. Yeah, by uh, far. Yeah, we saw there was a video. He posted a video today of him riding his bike around whatever town he's in. He seems to be having the time of his life. The Patriots remain just as unlikable. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Speaking of Tom Brady, he was in the news this week, I would say. We'll discuss that next. But first, Steve DeSager. First time. What's going on, DeSager? Hello, gentlemen. I do believe it was the old sports writer, Grantland Rice, who had the phrase, uh, the two biggest stories, stories in sports are big man wins or big man loses. There you go. So if you can just tune in just to watch them lose, I think that's quantifiable. As for the NHL playoffs, we've got three Game 7s in the first round on this Saturday. Somehow, the Toronto Maple Leafs have done it again. They're out. They lost Game 7 at home. 2-1 Tampa the final. Tampa Bay Lightning will face number 1 Florida next. Toronto, over the last five years, has had nine games with a chance to eliminate an opponent. They are 0-9 in those games. Wow. How is that even possible? (laughs) That is pretty stunning. They still haven't won a playoff series since 2004. This one of the original franchises. They had a Game 7 at home against Montreal, of all opponents, the rivalry, and couldn't cash it in for a win last year. LA Kings in the late game are scoreless mid-first period at Edmonton. Carolina was a 3-2 winner to eliminate Boston. To Major League Baseball, the Red Sox have just won 11-3 at Texas. Houston, with an 11-game winning streak on the line, is trailing at Washington 13-6 in the top of the ninth. In other words, Houston has given up more runs tonight than during the entire streak. The Cleveland Guardians in the top of the tenth are now up 3-1 at Minnesota. They've gone to the bottom of the 10th inning. In this game, by the way, a reliever for the Twins, Yoan Duran, threw a couple of 103 mile an hour pitches. This is a guy who was listed at 6'5", 230. At spring Yikes. training, I looked it up. He had seven innings of relief for Minnesota in the spring. No runs, one hit allowed. Ten strikeouts, one walk. Apparently tonight, he threw a pitch at 103.1 miles an hour. And then another at 103.3 miles per hour. The Yankees have a record of 24-8. and eight. They have tied it up at the White Sox. It's now 2-2 bottom of the ninth. Mets had a rain delay at the start there in the top of the sixth, shutting out Seattle 4 to nothing. Julio Arias, the Dodgers starter in the late game in L.A., gave up a three-run homer to the Phils in the first inning. It's now 3-1 after one. Mookie Betts, a leadoff homer for the Dodgers. Oakland won the first of a doubleheader against the Angels, 4-3 on a three-run homer bottom in the ninth. Toronto ended a five-game losing streak, scoring four in the top of the eighth in a 5-1 win at Tampa Bay. And a great game on FS1 from Atlanta. The Braves edged the Padres 6-5 today with four runs in the bottom of the eighth. The Padres in the top of the eighth had just scored four unearned runs. Shutout wins for St. Louis and Detroit. A reminder, tomorrow's NASCAR race will be on FS1 from Kansas, 3 p.m. Eastern time. The Truck Series race was tonight on FS1. Zane Smith, the winner. That happened right after Cup Series qualifying, where tomorrow's pole sitter will be Christopher Bell. Back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Uh, outside the NFL schedule, there was one other, I would say, pretty significant story out of the world of sports and uh, out of the world of football, I should say, out of the NFL. Let me just say this, Jason. 
If this is our last show together, I just want you to know how much I've enjoyed working with you. Uh, because there, we got an employee, we got a, a new coworker that's making a lot of money, and hopefully, you know, uh, I'm kidding, but uh, you know, JJ Reddick. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, my boy! I was chirping at JJ Reddick this week. We had some fun with that uh, uh, over the last couple days. But no, it is it is Tom Brady, and no, our show. What, what is that? Tom Cruise jumping on the couch? What was that? Is that's it? Tom Brady screaming after they? Yeah, uh, that's what I thought. Right before the uh, Seahawks uh, Patriots Super Bowl ended, you couldn't get give me a let's go. You couldn't give me a let's go, Sam. Come on. <laughs> no, you need to Brady go with laugh. the. Let's just call it a dainty scream. Okay, well he probably screamed when his agent brought that contract <laughs> to him the other day. So, Jason, uh, you know the news broke here on the West Coast right when I was kind of first getting up. It was the first thing I saw. Obviously, you were probably on air when yep. it happened. Um, what, what were your initial thoughts? And then, obviously, like the, the story was, we later got a figure, uh, and obviously this is our network, and we're, we're very happy to have Tom Brady on board, but I think everybody was shocked by the $375 million or whatever it is, $37 million a year, 10-year deal uh, that Tom Brady has now signed. I know he says the numbers aren't exactly right. He is being paid a lot of money to be the face of Fox football uh, once he retires from the NFL. It's the Tony Romo effect. This is all, everything has changed since Tony Romo came into the booth and was as successful as he was. Because does it really matter who's calling an NFL game between two teams that you actually, that are relevant teams? No, generally not. Now, bad announcing is going to stick out, but nobody's not going to watch the Cowboys, for example, because it's a bad announce crew. The NFL is a little bit different than there are certain like college broadcasts and stuff where I will mute that because it will drive me insane. But this is this is trying to find your version of Tony Romo and the contracts and the money have gone up and Aikman got paid and now he's on ESPN and Herb Street's going to be doing both and so this but this is can we find our version of Tony Romo? But what if we made him an even bigger star like what if we were able to land somebody even larger so NBC paid Drew Brees who to this point has been average at best who knows how good he can be but he didn't have a great start but he's Drew Brees so he's going to have a very he's going to have a lot of opportunity to prove that he can do that job Tom Brady's the white whale it's him and Peyton like those are the two guys that you want if Rodgers retires maybe he becomes part of that list but that's the greatest player of all time it's like getting Michael Jordan in an NBA booth on a regular basis. You tune in now. I think a lot of people will watch a CBS game with Romo calling it because they like Romo calling it. There are there are broadcasters I will seek out and watch their games over other games sometimes because I enjoy hearing whatever it is that they have to say. I, I'm a big fan of Greg Olson. Like Now I listen to him and Burkhart. Now I guess it'll be Burkhart and Brady whenever Brady hangs them up. But I, I talked to Mike McCarthy of Front Office Sports, not that Mike McCarthy in Dallas, but That's the one that funny. runs frontofficesports.com, and I asked him, I'm like, do you think that Fox is getting the Patriot way Brady or the Bucks Brady? Because Tampa Bay Brady, we're all really we're all willing to see, and that's what we want to see. The guy that's buttoned down, the guy that's, you know, throwing the Lombardi trophy after they win it, the one that's funny on Twitter, that guy. That guy right there is a megastar waiting to happen. The other dude, that wouldn't work. And his response to me was, he is going to be incredible, and it will be the 100% Tampa Bay Brady. I have no doubt. He's talked to executives. Everybody knows what they think they're getting in Tom. If that Tom shows up, I think Dan Patrick called him Two Drink Tom. <laughs> if Two Drink Tom shows up, man, all bets are off. 
Because if he's good, holy cow, there is nothing bigger that you could acquire in the NFL than Tom Brady in your broadcast booth. Because ESPN already has Peyton doing his thing. There's nobody else. Tom's the GOAT, and now he's going to be your analyst for your A broadcast? That's I don't care what you have to pay to make that happen, you make that happen. Well, and that's why I was not, you know, listen, the, the money figure jumps out at you. It's but wild. It is, but it's also exactly what you just said. It's the supply and demand of there is literally one greatest of all time walking the planet, and if you want that guy, you're going to have to overpay him because that guy's going to have a lot of options after he after he hangs it up. And it's something, you know, we've talked about what Tom Brady's going to do after retirement for like 10 years now because he's obviously closing in on a 45th birthday. But that was to me like, every, you know, I saw some people freaking out. I think some people kind of have the understanding of, you know, you, you, you're worth what somebody's willing to pay. But to me, one, there's only one greatest of all time. Two, I do think people will tune in at the beginning for the novelty of it. But three, the guy has options. I mean, the guy, you know, the number jumped out because he's made 300 plus million in his career as a football player, and he's going to make more than that as a broadcaster over the next 10 years or in the next 10 years that follow his career. But the point still remains. He has 300 in the bank, 300 million in the bank from the first, you know, from the 22, 23 years that he's been in the NFL. You're not getting this guy for $2 million a year. Like, and I know that sounds weird and like, who really cares? But like, the guy has options, and you know we're not asking him to, to to make a couple of appearances here. We're asking him to commit really about 20, 20 Sundays a year after he's committed twenty Sundays a year over the last decade and change. So to me, that that's why you have to pay some exorbitant amount of money. And then on top of that. There's the possibility that he goes to open market that maybe I know everybody's kind of set with who they have, but does somebody else make a bid for him? Does somebody else do this, do that? So to me, there's one greatest of all time, and he's got plenty of options post-career, including ownership, which obviously came up over the last couple months with the Miami Dolphins stuff. You got to pay him a lot of money. Fox did it. They got their guy. And and now, as you said, Jason, I mean, you look at all the moving parts with the announcing crews over the course of the last two, three months, Trey Aikman and Joe Buck going to ESPN, Amazon getting their guys, uh, NBC locking in Mike Tirico now that Al Michaels has gone to Amazon. You know, you, you you get what you pay for, and to get the greatest of all time, you're going to have to pay what some people deem to be ridiculous money. Also, and to this point, right as we go to the break, it, it's just – you also have to pay him enough to make him want to do it yep. because he doesn't have to do this. He doesn't need to do anything after his career. That's the other thing. That's the other option is he just goes to the house and he's Tom Brady forever. Like he can do whatever he wants. He can do ads. He can do movies. He can do TV. He's going to have a wealth of opportunities. So you had to pay him enough to make it worth his while because I have no idea how much he desired to be a broadcaster. I have no doubt that he might fall in love with it. It might be one of the best decisions he's ever made. But to get him in the door yes, to hear your band, sometimes you got to let people in free and then they'll buy the CDs on the way out. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, and that that was exactly what I was saying with the you got to overpay to get a guy of his quality. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up more on the Tom Brady-Fox mega deal. Also, we will obviously get to the NBA, two game sevens tomorrow. Sean Brace from Philly, by the way, hosts on our affiliate down there in Philly. He will join us to talk a little James Harden, and I have a feeling he's going to have a lot to say. More Tom Brady coming up, NBA as well. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Hour one, closing up a lot of NFL. 
By the way, if you want to tweet at us, at Aaron underscore Torres on Twitter, at Jmart Radio. Need to do a better job of uh, putting out the Twitter handles if you want to chime in on the show. You know, Jace, you brought up something interesting before the uh, before the break. We're talking about Tom Brady, who has signed this mega deal to, content- to, to broadcast for Fox following his NFL playing career. Could be next year, could be a couple years down the road, but when he does, it'll be pay- be, he will be paid in the neighborhood of $37 million per year. And you said that you talk to some people across the sports media space that believe that he will be we're going to be get much more of the Tampa Bay version than the New England Patriots version my hunch was the same simply because of the fact that um, you know it just seems as though Tom Brady has opened up more on social media he has the goofy post today he posted about you know he's riding a bike around town the other day he does the thing about the tuck rule game I've enjoyed this version and this iteration of Tom Brady, but why don't you expand on those thoughts? I know you talked to some people throughout the week about what Tom Brady, the broadcaster, will sound like. Well, I mean, I just think that there's one guy that looks like he's the coach of Team Iceland and the Mighty Ducks, and then there's dude from Tampa Bay, and that dude's a dude, right? Like, you actually feel like you could potentially have a conversation with that guy. And I think maybe it's always been true that Tom's a little bit less buttoned up. It's just the Patriot way and the way he went about his business. He was different in public, but you always heard that he was actually, and I think Cowherd always made this point, about how of the two, the more relatable was actually Tom Brady, despite the fact that he had a moat around his house. That it, that Brady was more of a regular guy. It's like Peyton Manning was doing Papa John's ads, but how many times do you think he was eating Papa John's? I think was one of the questions that that Colin used to ask all the time. And I think it's more, it's less of the people that I talk to giving me insight more than just they. Fox is not hiring a guy that's not going to say anything. Like I know he's Tom Brady, but there's a real short shelf life for that. But the guy that's actually honest and open and has stuff to say. And is willing to say it, and the guy that I think there's a difference between being a star and being a celebrity. And I think the version of Tom Brady that we could get on TV can bridge that gap. The dude that played for New England, you just never would have thought that guy would have been a broadcaster. For but sure. this guy we've seen in Tampa Bay, the one that's utilizing social media properly, not overusing it, but when he does say something, it usually works. Whoever's helping him out with it is is certainly a clever, witty person. You're just seeing a lot more of Tom Brady's personality. You already know his football IQ is through the roof. Him actually deciding to take this on, to me, says, I've changed. I'm not the guy that I was 10 years ago because that guy probably turns this down because it's not not regal enough for the way I've crafted my image. But this is the guy that I am inside that I've wanted to be that Tampa has allowed me to become. You've seen it. Now I'm going to give it to you on television. I'm extremely excited to see what that looks like whenever he stops playing football. Well, yeah, and I think to me a couple things stand out. Is one, uh, he has shown that personality over the last two, three years in Tampa, um, and even you know late towards the end of the the New England days when it was clear that you know he was kind of you know he had established himself as the greatest of all time and all these Super Bowl wins and whatever. Two, I think the kind of he'll have this Tony Romo esque ability to, uh, you know, I just I, I'm just fascinated to learn the game from him, right? I mean, that's one thing that Tony Romo does so well, and obviously, you know, Tony Romo's known he's a little cocky because you know he's calling out stuff before it happens. But I think Tom Brady, I would expect, is able to deliver a message. And then three, you know, the other thing too about calling games, 
you don't have to be super critical of people, right? Like, I think that's the thing that we all think is like, you know, is he going to be able to be critical? It's like, he's not in studio like Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and Shaq are. Like, he's not in studio like Kendrick Perkins is after ESPN games. Like, like that is a lot of a different role than just being a straight broadcaster. And so to me, I think it's almost a no-lose. I think we're going to get a really good version of Tom Brady uh, on these games, Jason. Yeah, so do I. I don't think you have to be critical, but you don't want to be John Gruden the way I used to call him bubblegum announcer. Sure. Like, you need to be somebody who is analytical, who is critical when the time comes, but is also gracious in the moment. You have to thread that needle, uh, and I think there's a, there's a middle ground, and I think Tom's smart enough to find it. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we switch gears to the NBA, two Game 7s on Sunday. Oh, by the way, a lot of reaction to Philly losing on... L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. On Thursday. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Busy Saturday night. By the way, you want to get into the show, tweet us at Aaron underscore Torres. Jason is at Jmart Radio. By the way, about 20 minutes from now, Sean Brace, who hosts on our Philadelphia affiliate Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler in Philly. He will join us. Uh, I have a feeling he's going to have a lot to say about James Harden and Joel Embiid and the future of the 76ers. We'll get to some of the games tomorrow, Jason, but listen, man, I got to give you credit. 
you know, you've been on this James Harden thing, not just since you and I started doing this show, but for years. Uh, and I think he finally, he, I, don't, I don't know if exposed is the right word, but, you know, if there was any doubt that he is just not that guy, it was pretty evident, not only throughout these playoffs, but especially on Thursday night in Game 6 in a closeout game, two shots in the second half as James Harden basically wets the bed. The entire Philadelphia 76ers roster does that as well uh, in a loss to Miami as Miami advances to the Western uh, Eastern Conference Finals. Excuse me. What's one of the big reasons you move Ben Simmons? Probably because he's only going to take two shots in a closeout game because he's afraid to shoot. Say that one more time. I'm sorry. So why why do you move Ben Simmons? <laughs> What's one of the big reasons you move him? It's because he's afraid to shoot. Yes. And he's the kind of guy that might, I don't know, take two shots in the second half in a closeout game when you absolutely have to have it because he's terrified of having to go to the free throw line or whatever. James Harden shot twice. Mm-hmm. That's just inexcusable. I don't even care if he's more of a facilitator now or whatever it was that Joel Embiid was spinning after the game. I don't care that he's not the guy that can score 50. He's still a guy that's supposed to be able to score 20. He's still a guy that's supposed to be looking for his shot, even if he can't blow by you. I know the step back isn't what it once was, and I know that he's not getting the foul calls that he once did, but he can shoot. He took two shots. Two shots. That was it. This was the James, This is when James Harden, when it really turned for me. There was a year in Houston when Kawhi Leonard was out, in a closeout game with the Spurs. And Harden was sulking uh, on the bench in the second quarter of that game and just basically checked out. And they lost, and the Spurs went on and did whatever. I don't even know what the Spurs did. It wasn't a, a great Spurs team, and it was when Kawhi was getting aloof and when things were getting weird. But Harden didn't seem like he wanted to be there. This James, What's the difference between James Harden and Russell Westbrook now, except that Westbrook's in better shape? He plays hard. At least Westbrook tries. Exactly. He, he plays hard. He still shoots. You kind of want him to shoot less. You need a balance there. But which one of those two guys has made your team better from a chemistry standpoint once they've been added to the roster? And they both, of course, played together twice. They played together in Oklahoma City. And then he went to Houston and Russ would go there for a year. And, of course, that was a disaster. Was James Harden good in Houston? Absolutely. He was an MVP-level player, one of the most unguardable players in the league. His his step back was legendary in the way he could find his way to the rack and make it to the free throw line 25 times a game. Unreal. I'm not taking anything away from him. But, and this is what I've said for years, I saw this movie so many times that I would never predict a team that James Harden played for to win a championship ahead of time. I would have to see them win it to then the next year think that they could do it. Because I called him the anti-Patriots. And at the time, this made sense when I first started using this take. Now, it's a little bit different, but Brady was still the quarterback. Where, as long as Belichick and Brady were there, counting them out was just a fool's errand. Because I got caught on it a couple of different times. If they can come back against the Falcons in that Super Bowl, if they can have the Malcolm Butler play happen against the Seahawks, if they can have all of these different things go the way that they've gone for them, if they found their way in to so many championship situations, why would I predict against them? It's the same thing as you and me both thinking that the Nets could potentially get there just because of some of the guys that they had on that roster. We got that wrong, but we got Golden State right. And Golden State is still playing for a similar reason. 
But James Harden proved to me that he was not somebody I could count on in the postseason. And as somebody that watches these games for a living and analyzes them and tries to think of intelligent things to say based on the most likely outcome, that's how I try to live my life. And I tell people that's how they should live theirs. Don't live your life based on the worst possible thing that could happen. And don't don't live your life assuming the best possible thing is going to happen. Live based on the thing that's most likely to happen. What's the most likely scenario for a James Harden team in the playoffs? An exit. And that's exactly what we saw again. And Embiid, Embiid's got to just feel snake bit. He's got to feel snake bit over and over again. Ben Simmons, that wasn't going to work. They had to figure something out. And they brought in Harden. And what was it when they brought in Harden? You were on the side of going after Ben Simmons, which, by the way, didn't disagree with. And you made your point very eloquently. And then I was on the James Harden side. And my piece on the Harden side was, what evidence in the past exists to tell you that they are a better team by adding him when chemistry was one of the issues with that roster with Ben Simmons? When has chemistry been improved by adding that guy, especially with receding skills and not showing up in shape and all those things? That dude right there... To me, as soon as they acquired him, what was it I said that night? Well, they're out. Philly's mm-hmm. done. They're not going to win a championship. And, you know, this isn't me tipping the cap to myself or anything else. It's just I hate to, I hate to be right on this because I like to see people prove me wrong when I say negative stuff about them. I really do. I want to see everybody play the best they possibly can because it's better for me as a spectator. It's better for the audience. It's better for the business of sports. But James Harden is a habitual underperformer when it matters the most. So let me ask a question. I I filled in with Dan Byer yesterday, and I asked him this, and there is no answer, but I'm just going to put it out there anyway. What do you think would make James Harden happy? Like, because, so the the game ends on on Thursday night, and there were a lot of people... um, you know, essentially accusing James Harden of tanking. Like, like you know, Stephen A. Smith, I don't want to put words in his mouth. I've never met him. I, I actually think he's a very talented guy in our business. But he went on his show on, on Friday morning and said it felt like, and I'm not saying he did, but it felt like the guy was tanking this game. I've seen other people say that as well with the insinuation being whether it's that he doesn't like, you know, he doesn't like Doc Rivers, doesn't want to play for him, doesn't want him back, even though Daryl Morey said yesterday that he plans, uh, that Doc Rivers plans on being back for next season. So I was thinking about this, and I asked Dan this, is what do you think would make this guy happy? Because that, that's the part that, that bothers me, right, is, you know, he's in Houston forever. They bring in so many guys to try and make it work with him. Brought in Dwight Howard, didn't work. Brought in Chris Paul, didn't work. Brought in Russell Westbrook, didn't work. Obviously, you know, finally he, he asks out. He tanks the, the the beginning of last season when there's all these sorts of COVID protocols and he's doing his own thing. He gets the trade wish that he wants to go to Philadelphia or to go to Brooklyn, excuse me. Is happy there for a couple months and then he's not happy there. Gets to Philadelphia, the trade wish that he wants. Playing with Daryl Morey clearly doesn't appear to be happy there. Like, what is going to make this guy happy? Because I think that's the frustrating part with me about this guy is, like, at a certain point, I get that not everybody's dealt the same hand and, and, and there are certain guys that get put in bad situations with bad organizations and this and that. He ain't one of those guys. He got to an organization that bent over backwards to to make the pieces work around him, to get him a coaching staff that accentuated his skill set. They tried multiple different superstars around him. This wasn't a guy on an island by himself trying to win on his own. 
multiple superstars. Then he gets traded to the team he wants to. Then he gets traded again to another team he wants to. And he lays another egg. And and, and to me, I just sit there and say, like, what does this guy want? Like, why, why is he so unhappy? Well, I, I, it, it boggles my mind. And like I said, I understand there are, are legitimate gripes and there are legitimate reasons for professional athletes to be frustrated with their situation. He ain't one of these guys, though, that has anything to complain about in terms of everything that has been done to try to make things work around him. You ever been around somebody who just can't keep a job? They just they move from job to job and there's somebody that you know, so you've had conversations with them. And you'll sit down with them at dinner and they'll be like, man, the boss was just all over me, man. It was just completely unfair and all this. And I'm thinking of suing them. And, oh, what about the job before that? Man, I had this coworker, man. Just, just a, just a, used to rile me up. He would show up late. They gave him a promotion that I deserved, all this. What about that job that you had before that? Man, they were expecting me to show up on time instead of five <laughs> minutes late. Yep. I mean, come on, man. It's just a clock. I got things to do. I got, I, you know, I got a kid. I got to feed. All, there's always an excuse. There is, there's something to be said for people that just their happiness is found in victimhood and misery. And unfortunately, we are seeing multiple examples of that in the NBA right now. Kyrie is one. Russell Westbrook appears to be one. Kevin Durant, I would argue, is one because if you weren't happy with that Warriors team just being the best player, even if it was still Steph's team, if that wasn't good enough and you chased, I'm going to go play with my best friend, I don't know what that means. So you've got those three and you've got Ben Simmons and you've got James Harden. And all of them have very similar things in common. They're all really, really good but they're all seemingly not great teammates. And I'll, I'll throw Durant out of that because Durant is the one that you've seen actually win in multiple spots. And he, like the way Kyrie behaved in Boston, dude, I don't want that guy on my team. I don't want to have to cheer for that guy. This isn't even about the COVID deal in Brooklyn. Like, I don't even care. The Boston thing is where I was out on Kyrie. That's that the way that that went, the way he behaved there, the way he sulked on the sidelines as they were getting beat in the playoffs while he was in street clothes, that bothered me. James Harden is a guy that you become what you gaze upon. And a lot of times it seems like James Harden gazes upon himself frowning. And that just seems to be kind of his default. Like if you looked up the J All right, so you go to the store and you're looking for the James Harden action figure. The default action figure comes with a complaint gesture. There's no question about it. I don't think there's happiness to be found because I don't know that he's searching for it. Because his life's purpose appears to be a constant search for it, knowing there's no destination. Like, from day to day to day to day, I will find a new gripe. I will find a new way to have a chip on my shoulder that I probably created myself. And all the while... Look, I don't think he tanked. I don't think that's the appropriate word. But I do think that his body language is all-time easy to spot a quitter. And it doesn't mean that he necessarily did quit. It means he gives off the vibe, Aaron, that he quits. That he's not going full speed. That he's checked out. That he's disillusioned. That he's done for this season. That he's tired of all this. That he's Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. Like, whatever it is... 
I don't know if it's true or if it's just the vibe that he gives off. You know, there's the RBF out there, people that have that face that's just unfortunate. James Harden, the way he carries himself sometimes, the way his shoulders slump, the way his eyes cock, all of these things that he does give off an impression that he would rather be anywhere else than the basketball floor that he's on playing for the team that he happens to be playing on that's paying him big-time money, and that makes it very, very easy to then look at him and say, what do you want? And the answer is, I don't know that he could even answer the question. Well, and I think that's the frustrating part. And I think the other the, the, the other thing that kind of stands out to me is that, like you said, there's been unhappy superstars. There's been guys that have forced their way here and there. At least they've accomplished something in terms of the win-loss perspective. Now, I know James Harden has individual awards, scoring titles, all that. But, like, you know, we can criticize LeBron for a lot. Guy at the end of the day still has four rings. We could criticize KD, but he was the best player in two NBA finals for the Golden State Warriors. Even Kyrie hit an iconic shot for the Cleveland Cavaliers, yes. brought him their first title in a million years. And so to me, I think that's the frustrating part where it's like sometimes like LeBron's stuff is exhausting, but you're also like, dude, you've been in the league 18 years, you won four MVPs, you, you, you had your team in the finals for eight straight years. And it's like, I, I know LeBron's not at that point in his career yet, but it's like the back end of all the crap that LeBron's going to put you through. Over the course of his career, it's generally been worth it. Kevin Durant, like you said, I wouldn't put him exactly in the same category because the guy loves being on the court. The guy leaves it all on the court, even if he's done some weird stuff in terms of transactional decisions. But it's like James Harden, it's like, dude, you haven't won anything. You haven't done anything to deserve. You haven't done anything to warrant acting the way that you did. And something I said to Dan yesterday, Jason, we'll wrap up, is like it's one thing if you have a game like that and you're 26 years old and your best days are ahead and you you could have done more but whatever the guy is 33 years old like like the like he doesn't have too many more of these runs left and to just to, to just play as flat as he did in a a winner go home game so, so, so disappointing. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we stay on James Harden. Uh, Sean Brace, who hosts on our Fox Sports Radio affiliate in Philly, he will join us. He is going to have a lot to say about the situation in Philly, what happened on Thursday, and what happens going forward. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Sean Brace joining us next. This is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. Uh, you hear that music? Well, I do hear that music. What is Misery this? Loves Company? Oh, exactly what we were just discussing, man. Iowa Sam's on it, man. Iowa, Iowa Sam's my old, it used to hang out with me in the middle of the night on Sunday or well, early Sunday morning or late Saturday night, depending on where you were listening to me for a few years on FSR. And I, I picked up on this. I know why we're running this coming back after what we were just talking about. And I mean, if you're talking about James Harden, you're likely to be talking about something in the vicinity of misery anyway. Ah, good stuff from uh, from Iowa Sam there. Joining us now to, to talk about uh, the situation with James Harden. He is a host, 3 to 6 Eastern, on our Fox Sports Radio affiliate, Fox Sports The Gambler. Sean Brace, uh, how you holding up, buddy? We talked yesterday, and you were uh, you were on the brink there for a second. How you doing tonight? How you doing today? Well, the Phils are ripping the cover off the baseball in L.A. right now. I mean, you know, first three games of the series uh, put a little bit of a smile on my face. Um, I'm doing all right. I won't lie to you. I, I wasn't exactly thrilled with everything that came out of the uh, end-of-season press conferences from Daryl Morey 
uh, of course, he said, oh, Doc Rivers will be back. And, uh, you know, that's the start of <laughs> nothing positive for me as far as this offseason is concerned. But, you know, on to the next one. Look, you know what? Honestly, AT, the biggest thing for me is I said it to you. It, it, it hit me like game two, game, maybe game three of that series, Sixers of Heat. They're just not on the level of the, the Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Whoever wins that's going to the finals. So that allows me to sleep a little bit easier at night, honestly. Real quick, before we get to some all, all the stuff, what were your phone lines like? You know, listen, Doc obviously has has become polarizing in the city. I understand that. What has been the the, the reaction in Philly to James Harden? Because you know, Philly's known. You know, they, they don't take it easy on people. And this guy, not only not only just not um, having success, not 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 putting the ball in the basket, but not even attempting to put the ball in the basket. I have to assume that rubbed a lot of people the wrong way. Absolutely. And the biggest thing for you know, a lot of people like myself, I think, you know, we, we come to the realization that it just doesn't affect Harden. It really doesn't. Like that dude is in his own world. At least that's the way it comes off and the way he plays it. And, you know, look, I, I, he was traded here. I don't think he got permanent residency, if I'm not mistaken, even though he said he's going to opt in and get the, the player option, which, of course, wouldn't you opt in for $47 million when, you know, with the expectations that bar is extremely low. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think from James Harden's perspective, like just not showing up, not shooting the ball, not attempting it in the second half in a, in a do-or-die situation, that, that tells me how he feels inside. Like nothing bothers him. Nothing affects him. And it's just amazing to me to, to see a top 75 basketball player, a guy that we know has it. You know, look, he scored 30 points a few times in December for Brooklyn. He only hit the 30-point mark two times for the Sixers, but he's, he has that, you know, that step. He's still got the pullback. He's still got the Harden-esque type game in him, but it just, it just disappeared. And it's like almost like he just does not care. Does it, is it that he doesn't care or is it that he once again has found a reason not to like where he finds himself? Because that's the other thing that I've noticed about him is in Houston when he wanted out, boy, that became a problem real fast. And then the same thing with Brooklyn. It's just like that didn't work out. Now he's in Philly. Has he checked out already? Is that the problem? It's interesting. You know, I want to give him a little bit of the benefit of doubt when it came to Houston. I mean, he was there for a bunch of years, you know, so it just didn't work out at the end. And that's not the first superstar that we've seen something like that take place. Brooklyn, uh, your guess is as good as mine. I, I mean, I, you know, you get the opportunity to play with Kevin Durant. I, I don't think I would want out of there, you know, ASAP, especially when they were winning games and I get hard. It was hurt, but it had more to do with Kyrie. I don't know. I, I think he he really does enjoy playing with Joel. Like, Joel is a no-nonsense guy. You know, I, I get it. You know, he had the Twitter handle for a few years. But bottom line is that guy's improved, and, and he takes criticism, and, and he's a different breed. He's a different monster where he's like, okay, you want to say that about me? I'm going to prove you wrong. Joel Embiid, I get it. He's been – you know, hurt with these injuries and they come up out of nowhere and they're not like the crazy knees or the ACLs. They're more like the torn thumb ligament and then the orbital bone twice now. A little unlucky, uh, but, you know, all I know is Joel Embiid is a no-nonsense, I want to win a championship, get out of my way type of player. And I think that inspired Harden to make the move to come here on top of 
playing for Ruben and uh, Michael Ruben, who's part owner of the Sixers, and uh, uh, Daryl Morey, who is the general manager of the Sixers as well. So I think he's staying here. I don't think he's going anywhere. $47 million reasons why he's going to stay next year. Uh, Sean, you know, so I just asked Jason a minute ago, uh, what do you think would make James Harden happy? Because the thing that strikes me is he seems like a perpetually unhappy guy. I mean, again, we, we know that the, the situation in Houston became toxic, whatever, but they tried a million different superstars with him. None of them worked. He goes to his preferred destination of Brooklyn. That doesn't work. Goes to his preferred destination of Philly and just totally... You know, just was not very good during this this uh, this playoff run. So, listen, I, I know you're not a psychologist or anything like that, but you obviously know, <laughs> know people around the city. Like, is he just one of those dudes that is just never going to be happy with anything anywhere? Like, like, what is his deal like between the years? As, as much as you could possibly say, I know. Like I said, I know you're not a psychologist. So, wait, did you start off that question by going, "What do you think makes James Harden happy?" Well, it's obvious. Strip clubs, <laughs> we know yeah. that. Well, yeah, that's true. We knew that one. Um, From a professional perspective. From a professional perspective. (laughs) All I know is um, it it felt like he was saying all – look, he was saying all the right things. And he came in and they were – they hit the ground running. I think they won their first five out of six basketball games. And, and, you know, just they didn't have any chance to to make things happen. Of course, no practices, nothing along those lines. And, uh, you know, winning absolutely made him happy at that point in time. But like I said, it just – it just started to fade away. And even when they lost, it just did not seem to, to, to bother him at all. Uh, Post game, you know, he would have his normal answers, not lasted, lackadaisical. He would approach, he would talk to the media. Uh, he would answer questions, but you know, for instance, after the, the loss in game six to Miami at home, he talked about how they asked him why he did not take a shot in the second half. He said the ball never made it back to him. Like that, that's outrageous. As I said, you know, you have the ability to go 30 points in a game, and it's do or die on your home floor, and you don't even get a shot off. You don't even attempt a free throw. You go scoreless in the second half of a playoff game. It's just outrageous. But to be honest with you, I think playing with Joel Embiid absolutely makes him happy. I really do believe that. I just I can't be sold it anymore. Like you know, it, it, it's short. I get it. he's coming back next year. They got to make deals. They got to make moves with him being in the starting five. We know that. That's all there is to it. Daryl Morey says he's not going anywhere. James Harden says he's coming back. So he's going to be in the starting five next year. It's up to Daryl Morey to fill in those holes and ultimately make you know play to James Harden's strengths, which is he's more of a facilitator now, more of a playmaker, more of an assist guy that can give you 20 points per game, but you can't count on him to give you those 20 points per game. Daryl Morey's in a really difficult spot, guys. I really do believe that. Doc Rivers is talking a lot. Uh, is he talking too much? Because it sure feels like to me he's answering certain questions that haven't even been asked, <laughs> and he's doing it in a way that's not necessarily helping his image in terms of how he's being perceived as that job and being the guy in that job. Yeah, he his back is against the wall. You know, when he goes into these press conferences and like he he lashes out at at times, and I don't look. I get it. This city, the criticism might be a little bit more thicker than others. Um, you know, he won games. I, I, I want to give Doc some sort of credit. Like, I don't think it's as easy as, hey, let's just go ahead and throw these guys in there and we're going to go ahead and, and get the one seed like they did uh, last year. Or, you know, look, they had a pretty good season this year. No, no ifs, ands, buts about it. It was a successful season. So I want to give Doc some sort of credit. But 
I don't know what gets to him so much that he wants to lash out at the Philadelphia media. And I think the fans, like, you know, that's the thing. When the media asks your questions, a lot of it is coming from the fans. So I think he almost feels like maybe, hey, if I'm lashing out at the media, I'm getting back at the fans. I don't know. Uh, but Doc Rivers, to me, I thought he was going to be a difference maker. Brett Brown was the guy that set the table for many, many years, and finally they let him go. I thought Doc Rivers was going to be that guy to get him over the top. Instead, after the game in game six, he's talking about, hey, you know, this, this was it. Before I got here, you guys weren't winning games and uh, the expectations weren't there. And now look what we're doing. That's, that's completely bogus. He was supposed to take the 76ers over the top. And uh, apparently he's not going to go anywhere. Again, I'm holding out hope, guys, that the Lakers – some sort of way, get him over there to take over the head coaching job. I just don't think it's going to happen. And Daryl Morey said he's going to bring him back. Ultimately, he's got three more years on his contract, and that's the main reason why. Okay, well, that leads to the logical last question for me. The only question I can ask, Doc Rivers goes to the Lakers. Are the Philadelphia 76ers walking out of the tunnel with Jay Wright as their head coach to start next year? Sean Brace, I know you want it. Tell me it's going to happen. Oh, Lord. Oh my goodness, that would that would just be incredible. That would be incredible. <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen, but no, unfortunately, Jay. And you know, it's funny, Aaron. Uh, Jay Wright just uh, banged the ceremonial drum up at the Philadelphia Union game today. It's pretty cool to see that him and Kyle Neptune, the little passing of the baton there. But what I would say is, Jay needs like at least another year or so off before I think he can entertain that conversation. Sixers have approached him many, many times, I think two or three times, to be the head coach over the past decade or so, and he held out, and rightfully so, because he turned Villanova into one of the best programs in the country. But I just feel like if he had another year or two off and this opportunity pops up, I think he would. He's spoken out and said the NBA game is interesting to him. Honestly, if I were the Knicks, I would not stop calling him. I think the Knicks might have an opportunity to, to to woo him a little bit more than the Sixers. You know, get out of Philly, so on and so forth. I think he would stay on the East Coast, and I think the Knicks would be foolish not to dial him up over the next two years. All I will say is when he did that radio interview with one of our competitors, uh, he, he said two or three times, I'm going to dive into my new role with Villanova for this year. For this year, so mm-hmm. it, it I, I don't know. All I'm saying is he's 60. He looks healthy. He seems healthy. He was at the top of his game. There's a, listen. We all love the beach. There's only so many days you could spend at the beach if you're Jay Wright. So, Sean Brace, uh, make <laughs> make sure to follow him on Twitter at Sean underscore Brace. He is a host on Fox Sports Radio, The Gambler, our affiliate down there in Philly, three to six Eastern. Sean, we appreciate the time. And uh, one, we'll have to have you on back on during football season. And then two, uh, when Jay Wright gets named the uh, Philadelphia 76ers head coach, make sure to remember us. Okay. Uh, finger, fingers all- crossed, boys. Always a pleasure. Appreciate it, AT. All right, that was Sean Brace. Make sure to follow him on Twitter at Sean underscore Brace. Coming up, we react a little bit to what Sean said. Look ahead a little bit to the games that are coming up tomorrow. But let's get back to Steve DeSager with What's Trending. What's up, DeSager? Well, we got three game sevens in the NHL playoffs first round, including in Edmonton where the Oilers have just scored to take a one nothing lead on the LA Kings under six minutes to go in the second period. Tampa Bay, a game seven winner at Toronto, 2-1. to one. The Leafs still have not won a first round playoff series since 2004. Carolina eliminated Boston 3-2. to two. The home team won each game in that series. Couple more game sevens in hockey tomorrow night to end round one. The 
NBA's off tonight. Tomorrow, a couple of Game 7s. Milwaukee at Boston, then Dallas at Phoenix. That'll end the NBA's second round. As for the Major League Baseball late games, at Dodger Stadium, the Phillies have hit four home runs in the first four innings against Julio Arias, Dodger starter. It's now Phillies 8-3 over L.A., bottom of the fifth inning. The Cubs just held on for a win, 4-2 at Arizona. Looks like the Angels will split a doubleheader at Oakland. The A's took the opener 4-3 on a three-run homer, bottom of the ninth off closer Rysel Iglesias, but the Angels are up 9-1 in the nightcap, bottom of the sixth, including a Shohei Otani home run, his seventh of the season, home run number 100 of his major league career. The Mets had a rain delay at the start, so they're only in the bottom of the eighth in New York, leading the Mariners 5-3, Seattle with three errors in this game. White Sox have beaten the Yankees 3-2, ending a Yanks five-game winning streak. A run in the bottom of the ninth did it, the loss to closer Araldis Chapman. Toronto ended a five-game losing streak with a 5-1 win at Tampa Bay, scoring four times top of the eighth. And on FS1 today at Atlanta, the Braves scored four in the bottom of the eighth to beat the Padres 6-5. Colorado ended a five-game losing streak with tonight's 10-4 win over Kansas City. Back to you. Thanks, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. Uh, Talked a lot of Philly there. By the way, Jason, what do you make of Miami? I mean, I feel like, you know, it's interesting to me that Obviously, look, we're going to get to we we got two more hours to get to Game Seven tomorrow between Phil, uh, between Boston and Milwaukee. But Milwaukee, we got as we discussed last week. Giannis is playing maybe as the best player in the world. Jason Tatum is emerging as a household name, kind of superstar. Forty six points last night. The Seventy Sixers are interesting because of all the drama. It feels like just nobody's talking about Miami. Here's Pat Riley. Here's Eric Spolstra, number one seed, back in the Eastern Conference Finals a year and a half after making the NBA Finals in the bubble. Like they have to be the the least talked about one seed slash legitimately good team that I can remember in a long time. And that's exactly what Jimmy Butler wants. That's what Jimmy Butler loves because it's so easy for him then to do stuff like you took Tobias Harris over me yep. as he's dominating him the other night. That's the, J, Jimmy Butler is at home with being slighted, he's all right with it. Spolstra, all he is is probably the best coach in the NBA. I think I said that before the playoffs started. It wasn't just LeBron. It was just LeBron and, and those teams that got the credit. As, ah, Spolstra's just coaching them. No, Spolstra's a hell of a coach. He's an incredible coach. He's still there. They are relevant year after year after year. And they're fine going in and being the underdog. Whoever wins... In Game 7 between Boston and Milwaukee, it's going to feel like, well, that team's going to play against you know whatever's going to happen in the West. And you forget about the fact that even though Miami at times had lulls during this last series that just kind of make you, eh, you know, they still won the series. They've still got a killer in Jimmy Butler. I think the problem is just, as you mentioned, Jason Tatum, he's borderline top five player in the NBA right now. And Giannis, to me... At his best, there's nobody that touches Giannis anywhere in the world. And so they've got these recognizable number ones that are alpha dog of alpha dog. It's like they've got Tom Brady and Peyton Manning or something to that effect midway through their career or something like that. And then you've got Butler, who's just old guard, been around, wins, knows how to win, has a coach that knows how to win. And they're fine, I think, not being talked about all that much. Is it? We said this, though. We said this going into the playoffs. I looked up and realized what their record was like three weeks before the end of the regular season. It's like, my gosh, I didn't even realize Miami was playing this well. I didn't realize they were going to be the number one seed until that moment. 
because they're just not talked about, which is interesting because it's a market and it's a city everybody likes going to. Love when Miami plays deep into a postseason because that means you get to go to Miami. You know, reporters will crawl over broken glass to try to get to Miami if they can. Every player wants to end up there and things of that nature. So there's a lot of things that play into its into its favor. I just think it's not a team that is laden with stars. And there was so much attention paid to them during LeBron and D Wade and Chris Bosh in that era that it now is just kind of it's just a little engine that could almost. And I think that's exactly how they like it. They don't have to necessarily play with pressure. They can just kind of go out there. And I don't know that they're necessarily surprising people, but they're cool being under the radar. And as a one seed, it doesn't really matter because they get the opportunity to prove it on the floor. Games are not won on paper. Games are not won by how much coverage there is. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. Hour two coming to a close. Before we get to that, though, first, uh, we do have one more NBA story I want to get to. Interesting story off the court. I got some thoughts on the NBA preseason. I'll explain next. Fox Sports Radio. Yeah. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio. DJ Sam on the ones and twos. Fun Saturday night so far. I want to I get a little serious, though, for a second, Jason. So I mentioned there was a story that came out this week um, about the NBA preseason. Normally, not something we talk about here in the middle of May, But the NBA announced that they are going to have two games in the preseason in the United Arab Emirates. And ultimately, it's like, well, who really cares, right? Here's my thing, though. The NBA, my my whole thing, I'll just, I'm just, I'm not going to be around the bush. You said from the beginning of the show, let's be honest, let's be brutally honest, and I'm just going to say it. Mm -hmm. This really kind of annoyed me. So, so the NBA is the league that for really years, but it has certainly ramped up over the last four or five years, probably last two, three years, certainly the bubble, everything going on. They have been very active in the social justice world. And even to go back to kind of some of the conversation we had about the Chris, Chris Russo, Draymond Green back and forth, you know, Draymond Green, part of what he said was, we're not going to be quiet anymore. We're not going to just stick to basketball. We're going to stand up for social issues. And so why it annoys me, is we all understand that the United Arab the United Arab Emirates has you know it's certainly a different culture, but they they you know there are certain restrictions that they have there on women, homosexuality, uh, you know uh, you know gay marriage is banned, and so like this to me it was just like a light bulb that came over my head of like when the Chris Russo Draymond Green thing happens and players are like how dare you tell us not to have opinions outside of the, it's like well th- it's for reasons like this. Because now nobody's saying anything, and it's just, it's so hypocritical, and I'm setting up this point brutally, and I'm going to throw it over to you, but it's just so frustrating to me, because if the NBA just said, almost like the NFL, it's about business, it's about the bottom line, it's about making money, it's about growing the sport, that would be fine. But to me, where the frustration comes in, is that they try to toe this line between we're going to have all these really important comments and commentary on social justice stuff, but then we're also going to sell our soul to make a couple extra bucks in the preseason. This drove me crazy earlier this week, Jason. I don't know how you felt. Well, the problem is for the NBA, they've never met a moment to be hypocritical that they haven't found a way to be hypocritical. And this is another example. The whole China thing from a couple of years ago is another prime example of this. This is... It's it's mind-numbing. Like I feel like I need to break out some of leave to deal with it because it's just on the surface. 
why would you want to go do this but for the money? And if you're going to take the money, then again, back to dude last night that I saw when I left the Leon Bridges concert with my wife with the sign that said, need money for weed. Appreciate the honesty. Because we all know what you're doing here. Just like we all know the Saudi Golf League, we know those that are playing in that are not playing in it for the beauty of being over there. They're there for the money, and that's why the PGA was the PGA shut it down. It's like, all right, you can pay them, but who are you paying? Because we're outlawing it. You can't go do it. But that's the problem. Money spends. Blood money spends the same way as money does, man. Like, it's exactly the same thing. Do you have to launder it? No, not when you're just taking a paycheck. And the NBA is going to get on its high horse when it comes to social issues that don't necessarily affect them financially. And then they will turn a blind eye to those that might actually cost them financially. And to me, that means the NBA lacks something called a spine. I agree. And that's a problem. It is. Because if you want to stand up for whatever you believe your social cause is to be, this is not the place to agree in or disagree with those selections. But you've got to be balanced and you've got to be even. The only thing you want out of officials in your game, Adam Silver, is for them to be consistent. You want the calls to be consistent. You don't want one team going to the line 45 times and the other one going five. You want those things to be balanced out. You want it to feel like it's a level playing field. So if you're going to be out front on this social issue or that social issue or that social issue, don't take a large paycheck and then act like we're all dumb and don't realize that if the money's good enough, it's all right if you don't like this over there or if you don't allow this or if women can't do this or all of those things. And to me, that just means the next time that you stage some social, whatever it is that you want to do inside the country, I'm not paying attention. Yes. Because I know the next time it happens in another country where things are far worse, you'll still go as long as the paycheck is high enough. And that's I, the word that you just used is consistency. And that that's where my frustration comes in. I don't care about being, um, you know, d- doing something for a child. Like, like, like I am not, and, and I've said this many times, I am not in the business of telling people where to get their money, how to get it. You know, if a player can leave a good situation for a seemingly bad situation, but they got a lot more money, it's not my business to say, don't take that money. It's not my business to say when a coach leaves for another job, when a, a transfer leaves for another school because of NIL in this new world of college sports. It's not my place to say, don't take the money. Where my frustration comes in is the lack of consistency and the lack of a spine, as you said, Jason. If you're about the if you're about the social justice issues, if you're about equal rights for this group or that group, then be about equal rights for this group or that group. But if you're also just about making money and taking the biggest check you can, then be about that too. And I think other leagues have learned this lesson. The NFL has really kind of pulled back on the social justice stuff. They certainly don't broadcast it and publicize it. They don't, you know, you know, play stuff during uh, the national anthem for obvious reasons. MLB, I think, learned a very hard lesson after pulling the All Star game out of Atlanta a few years ago, which you could comment on better than I could. But it's like that's the frustration for me. Is if you if you want to stand for something, stand for something. If you want 
want to take a check, take a check. But as you said, Jason, it can't just be in the middle. It can't be inconsistent. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Uh, Coming up, we will get back to the court because despite some of the frustration off the court, the playoffs have been great. Two game sevens tomorrow. Milwaukee, Boston, Phoenix, Dallas. We'll discuss it next. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Hour 3. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here on a Saturday night, early Sunday morning on the East Coast. Busy night. A lot of talk of the NFL draft schedule. We talked to Sean Brace from Philly about the James Harden situation in the first two hours. If you missed any of it, make sure to listen to the podcast. Really quick, Jason, before we get to these games uh, coming up tomorrow, coming up today on the East Coast, uh, we were talking about the, the NBA playing in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, to in the preseason next year, and I think both you and I are a little bit frustrated about the the dual messaging from the NBA. See, Seashell Pipes uh, tweeted in, bringing basketball to their country isn't necessarily condoning what they do in their country. Pretty sure the NBA would change that if they could, and then there's a lot going on in the rest of the tweet. The point isn't, are you condoning or not condoning the behavior? It's that the NBA has spent the last several years, I don't know when it began. I don't know when it. I, I think it got mostly bad around the 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 summer of 2020. 
They've, they've spent a lot of time telling us how terrible our country is. So it's not that they're condoning what's going on in that country. But when you come, when, when, when playoff games, regular season games, post game press conferences, post game interviews on TV turn into an indictment on where you're from, and then you just take a check from a country where, as I said, as I said last hour, gay marriage is illegal, there's women's rights that are limited. It's just super freaking hypocritical. And like I said, if it was about just taking the money and you didn't care about any of the off the court stuff or what your players did or what the, that'd be one thing. But when you try to tow both lines, as you said, there's no consistency. That to me is the frustrating part. So I don't care that they aren't necessarily condoning the behavior. It's the messaging that is coming from the NBA, Jason. Look, to that tweeter. Remember they stopped games during the Jacob Blake situation. It was the Bucks who are playing in the United Arab Emirates. They stopped playing. They refused to play. They shut the league down. At the time, they thought things about Blake that, you know, whatever. You can go into that story however you want to. It's not even about that story. They didn't play. They, 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 there was no game. Because so they the were fact, so upset about what exactly, was going on in our country. Exactly. They had no problem doing it. Popovich never has a problem talking bad about America. Steve Kerr seems to not have a big problem talking about America. LeBron James has never met a microphone to talk badly about America that he will refuse. They, they love doing it, it seems like, for whatever reason. And it's not about the validity of their concerns here. It's simply about... If those things bother them, then how the crap can they go somewhere else where every one of those circumstances that they lament about America is a thousand times worse and not and, and actually play? If they were actually going to shut the league down because of something that happened here, explain how in the world you can play over there. That's where the hypocrisy comes in. It's not, again, it's not about us talking about whether or not they're right to say what they've said here. I don't even care. Like, whatever. They, they do whatever they want to do. I'll make a decision as a consumer based on that if it's important enough for me to do so. But the fact is that they did it here, but they're going to go over there where every single human rights abuse that you can find is a trillion times worse. That is the very definition of hypocrisy or at, at the very, it's just, it's selectivity. It's we got no problem saying this because we know it's not really going to harm us. But over there we get paid a lot of money, so eh, you know, we're not we're not going to condone what they're doing. We're just going to go play basketball. We're going to try and spread the game globe. I'm sorry. That falls on as deaf an ear as possible. Absolutely. And there's plenty of places and plenty of ways to grow the game um, that are, and listen, no no country's politics are perfect and no country's politics are going to 100% align with everybody else's politics. I get all that. But there are ways to grow the game without going to a country that has very serious, um, you know, global domestic abuse. Like, like, we know what that country's about, what it stands for. We also know it's one of the richest countries in the world because of the oil production. Um, and if it was just about collecting a check, that's fine. 
We everybody's trying to fill their everyone's trying to line their pockets however they can. But the hypocrisy, the double standard, that is what bothers me. Let's stay. You know, let, let, let's get a little glasses half full though. A little that was a little glasses half empty on on the NBA and some frustrations. There are two game sevens tomorrow, um, and let's talk about those. Let's talk about the on the court product because the one thing I will say is, despite the frustrations of some of the stuff on the court, the NBA playoff product has been phenomenal this year. Two game sevens on. On Saturday, uh, or Sunday, excuse me, starting with Milwaukee and Boston. Obviously, the big one there, uh, the big story there. Boston must win Game Six. Jason Tatum, forty-six points. I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle. Maybe it didn't. I don't know. But Giannis going for you know, and this this backs up our our conversation from last week, Jason. In a losing effort, Giannis going for forty-four and twenty last night. So, just an incredible series. Now we get a Game 7, 3.30 Eastern on Sunday. I could not be more excited for this one. Me either, and I really don't know what's going to happen. I believe Giannis is the best player in the world. I also believe that if you go 44-20 and 20 and you find a way to lose, and you go for a 40 on another night, and you barely win... And I mean, Giannis has been all world, even though they've defended him as tough as anybody can, which is to say, hold him under 50 if he wants to. The problem for him is who else is going to show up? Because the Celtics are probably going to have multiple guys show up. Tatum is a superstar. Jalen Brown is a driven star. Grant Williams plays good defense. They they have guys across the floor that can do things for them. And then Giannis, who's going to score? Like Drew Holiday and what he did in Game 5 in the final minute and a half some of the most incredible basketball I've ever seen from the three that tied it to the two defensive plays. And they, they can get that from him again because that's what he does. That's why you pay that guy because he is absolutely a star. But man, they could use Chris Middleton. Yep. Like, my gosh, watching him on the sidelines, I'm just, man, this is a great team. But they need their number two. They need their number two scoring option because so much is on Giannis. I'm not so sure if he scores 50 that they win. Because I don't know, you got to get, you got to count on. Maybe Grayson Allen shows up this night. Maybe Pat Connaughton shows up. This is on the road. That's not generally where those players show up strongest. So Giannis is going to have to take this game by the throat and say, "I'm carrying you guys past them. I am doing it." Same way Kawhi made the big three in the corner that beat Philadelphia, who we spent a lot of time talking about earlier in the program. That's what Giannis is going to have to do again. He's going to have to come out of a phone booth with a cape on and, and carry those guys to safety, it feels like. And I don't know. I, I, I can't wait to watch it because I could absolutely see that series ending either way. That is the part that stands out to me. Uh, the, you know, the the Chris Middleton thing. You know, he gets hurt in round one. If I remember correctly, I believe they lost. Um, I believe they lost the next game to the Bulls, and then just kind of ran away with the rest of the series. And you wondered when it was going to catch up with them. And I certainly think he could have helped them through the first five games of this series. But watching last night on Friday night, game six of this series, it's as you said. Jason Tatum went for forty six. That's the headline. Marcus Smart went for 21, and Jalen Brown went for 22. 
And that cannot be undersold in terms of of why the result was the way that it was a 13-point Boston win. Giannis goes for 44 and 20. Uh, nobody else goes for more than 17 to help him out Drew Holiday. So to me, that, that was kind of what stood out to me was just the idea that it, I, we all kind of thought – that there was going to be, uh, you know, not that there was going to be that there that there was unquestionably going to be a drop off once Chris Middleton was no longer with the team as as he's kind of dealing with this injury, but it hadn't really shown itself until last night. I thought last night was the night. I'm with you. I don't know exactly uh, exactly where things go for this one either, uh, as far as Game Seven in this one. How about Game Seven in the Den- uh, the Dallas Phoenix series? That game will be 8 p.m. Eastern. A later game on TNT. I think obviously the big story coming out of Game Six was, you know, let me ask you this first of all. I'm not. I feel like Chris Paul kind of got a little bit. I'm not saying he's been good these last two or three games, but he finishes with 13 points, five turnovers. I get it. Devin Booker also went six of 17 from the field, 0 for four from three. As a team, they shot six for 18 from three. It felt like Thursday night or Wednesday night or whenever game five, game six of this series was, was pile on to Chris Paul night. And I get it. He's a star. He's a Hall of Famer. He's one of the top 75 players of all time. He's also 37 years yes. old. So I, I don't know. This this one's coming down to Game 7. If they lose, it will be another playoff disappointment for Chris Paul. But I, I felt like people were being a little too hard on Chris Paul on this one. I think that's a good point. Him being 37 is something that needs to be discussed. He's been hurt a lot in his career. He happens to be more healthy than usual in a postseason right now. He's got to give him something, but he's never a guy that necessarily has been, all right, he's going to go give you 35. There have been times where he can do that when you need him to. He needs to be his best. He needs to be good defensively. He needs to steal the basketball. He needs to move the basketball. He does need to shoot, but everybody else has got to score. And that's that's the thing. Like Which supporting cast shows up? Now, Devin Booker's not a member of a supporting cast. He's a superstar, but he better show up. Like He better show up, and he better have a lot of points because we know what Luka's going to do. We know Luka's going to ball out. Is anybody going to run with him tomorrow? I tend to think no. Like I, I, I feel like Phoenix has played around with this to make it very, very dangerous, but I just think this is the moment where you realize yet again, you got to have more than one guy. you got to have more than one guy that is on that level, and that is, look, it's true for LeBron now. It's certainly true for KD now. It's true for the reigning two-time NBA MVP who was knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. Same thing is true of Donovan Mitchell. Whoever it is you want to name, you better have multiple all-star, multiple superstar-level players. I think that's what will bite Dallas. I think that Phoenix is the better team, and Luka can go off, and this is where he comes up short. This is where he's going to management and saying, get me X, Y, or Z, I need help. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we'll actually look back to last night. Golden State gets the victory over Memphis. Golden State, are they now the favorites as Milwaukee and Phoenix are on the brink? We'll discuss that next. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Sam, what's this song? It seems like every- Jane's Addiction. Okay. A little mountain song. Seems like every time that we've come back from break, there's been a hidden meaning behind what you play. 
Yeah, try to keep it a little topical, you know? Okay. All right. Sometimes well, I just I mean, pull James Addiction yeah. Smashing Pumpkins just announced they're touring together Ooh. this fall. Nice. Two of the more iconic and maybe polarizing voices from frontmen in terms of Perry Farrell and Billy Corgan. Two voices Definitely. that, like, you know... It's not going to be for everybody. Doesn't mean that you're not going to necessarily like the music, but there are times when I can't listen to Perry Farrell's voice. Other times, good with it. But that's an interesting tour. They're playing like big arenas. I kind of wish they were playing small clubs. I think that would be maybe better for them at this point in time. But that that's that reminds me of how old I am because that's like it's a Legends tour. Jane's Addiction and Smashing Pumpkins. All of a sudden, I realize, oh yeah, I'm 43. That's that's right. Got it. That's why Pearl Jam's drummer is gray haired. To make it a little sports related, I had that moment when uh, the NFL uh, Super Bowl had the halftime show. They're like, Dr. Dre, Eminem. I'm like, that's so cool. Like, that's my generation. Then I was like, yeah, but to people that are in like their late teens, early 20s, that's just like old people music. Like, I don't think Eminem's probably dropped an album in probably what 10 years like he's a oh no that's not true he's had one fairly recently okay. uh and he's going into the uh hall of fame he's going to the rock and roll hall of fame this year but that's what i mean he's going to the hall of fame i feel like it was just yesterday i'm slim shady real shady yeah that was 1999 i know doesn't feel like that long ago but anyway all right fox sports radio aaron Torres, jason martin so i mentioned it before the break uh obviously two game sevens tomorrow the second one is Phoenix-Dallas. The winner of that will play Golden State in the Western Conference Finals. Golden State returning to the Western Conference Finals. First time since 2019, where they obviously uh, lost to the Toronto Raptors in the NBA Finals in what was the end of the, the KD era in Golden State. But uh, last night, sort of a turn-back-the-clock kind of night for the Warriors and for kind of the, the core guys that, that have been there from the beginning. Clay Thompson in a Game 6 win goes off for 30 points, 8 of 14 from 3. Kevon Looney, who's been there from the beginning, 22 rebounds. Draymond Green, 14 points, 15 rebounds. I don't know if we've talked about this, Jason. Uh, you know, this is one I don't know that I have a, like a super strong opinion on, but, you know, Golden State certainly was pushed in some ways to the brink in this series. I mean, I know they they won in six, but they get destroyed in game five. And and really, the Grizzlies are playing the second half of the series without John Morant and were very competitive even in the games that they lost. Um, So I I don't know that I feel like I don't know that I feel like fundamentally different. Like Golden State is the definitive favorite. And I do think it obviously matters who wins game seven tomorrow. But let's assume it's Phoenix. They're, They're obviously the number one seed. They'll be at home against Dallas tomorrow. I don't want to look too far ahead, but if Phoenix were to play Golden State, do you feel like Golden State should be the favorite? Do you feel like because Phoenix has the home court, they should be the favorite? Because it's one where, you know, it's hard not to get nostalgic and say, well, you know, the Warriors, they've been here before. They know what it's like to be on this stage. I know Phoenix was here last year, but I guess what I'm just trying to say is I don't know if I'm there yet saying Golden State's the favorite, but I could also very much see them winning that Larry O'Brien trophy in a few weeks from now. I tend to think they're getting to the finals. I, I, you know, Phoenix certainly has a shot. If Dallas wins, I just don't see it with them. Not this year. Not with just Luka. As good as he is, they they need more. Uh, I, I would pick them to go to the NBA Finals against whoever comes out right now. I just feel like they're best right now with the mix of young and old that they have. It's clicking. 
And Phoenix just there's just a feeling to me that it's sort of inevitable that this isn't going to be what maybe we thought it was going to be, and that's just if they get by Dallas. And you know we'll see. I before the before the postseason I picked the Warriors and and the Suns, and I can't remember now. It may have been the Suns that I picked to win it all, but it just it hadn't felt that way. I'm just giving off the vibe right now that I feel like the Warriors are better. I think the Warriors can be beaten by whoever is left in the East especially Milwaukee and Boston. Those two teams, to me, just look like they're built better to play against Golden State. But Miami, again, sliding the number one seed, just as we talked about earlier. And Butler is fine with that, and they'll just keep on winning. But, no, I I don't think they're necessarily the favorite to win it all, but it's hard not to look at the championship pedigree and the way that some of the newer pieces have moved into the fold and and taken their spots and taken their steps and all of those things – and not feel pretty pretty confident that the Warriors could win it all. I, I don't know that there's going to be a team left of the four that you just couldn't see winning it. That's happened in a lot of years. I think whoever is left standing in the conference finals, all of them have a shot, which is going to make it very interesting because it's not a. it doesn't feel like there's a foregone conclusion here with anybody that's left. I think the only one you could say that for is, as you said a minute ago, Dallas. If Dallas were to win tomorrow, I can't see them winning two more rounds. Yeah, after right, that. I agree with you there. Yeah, yeah, especially with the game st- with that conference uh, finals would be starting in Golden State at that point. Yeah, no. It, what's interesting about the Golden State thing is, is that like you said, other guys have emerged, and that that was what was so interesting last night was it was really the core guys that kind of were the difference makers. But I think that's what makes this Golden State team so so unique, so interesting at least is is Jordan Poole hasn't been great the last couple games, but uh, has been good throughout these playoffs. Andrew Wiggins actually made some pretty big shots last night. Uh, to go back to Phoenix for a minute, I know we kind of just talked about their game seven, but I do tend to agree with you. Is is you know as somebody who I, I readily admit I don't watch NBA basketball night in and night out. It felt weird to me. I understood they had the best record in the NBA in the regular season. I understand that they they deserved all the accolades, but you know this was a team that that got to the NBA Finals last year and was really handled pretty easily by the Milwaukee Bucks. I know they won the first two games, but Milwaukee really ran away with that series late. Um, and then you have a healthy Warriors in these playoffs, and I was just surprised that that the people that that do cover this sport seem to be pretty adamant that oh, you know, Phoenix is the overwhelming favorite, and it's like eh, I don't know that I told totally see that and I think it's coming to fruition right it's like we talked about Chris Paul is 37 years old uh it's hard to ask him to do it on a night in night out basis DeAndre Ayton's really good but he's not a guy that's going to going to put put his put the team on his back and get you 30 or 28 or 27 or whatever and Devin Booker's been hot or cold so I think that's been my bigger takeaway and and I think that's why I do kind of think that what I think I kind of tend to lean where you do Jason is the idea that that no matter who they play, Golden State should be favored to get to the NBA Finals at the very least out of the West is that I look at this Phoenix team and and, and the people that cover the sport year round were, were really trying to sell me on this. And I just said, look, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad they had a great regular season, but you know, this was a team that got taken care of in the Western Conference Finals last year. This was a team, by the way, I never forget they were down to the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs last year until Anthony Davis went down. So uh, it might they just might be, and we'll see see how they handle things tomorrow and how they would potentially handle things against the Warriors uh, in the Western Conference Finals. But they just might be the latest example of you know we like when teams play hard in the regular season. Um, you know, I think it's good for the sport when when guys are out there every night. But 
the the teams that have the number one seed, you know, what whatever the best record, don't always necessarily they aren't always necessarily that team that is going to to have the success in the postseason. And it really is, I will say, two different things. Is that uh, you know I credit the teams that play hard. I credit the teams that go out every night, try to compete, put their best players on the floor, no load management, all that stuff. But it is just a different deal when you get to the playoffs. And and I was a little surprised that it seemed like most of the people that love the NBA follow it day in day out seemed pretty adamant that Phoenix was going to come out of the West. Yeah, I just think they they feel shaky to me. That's the word that that just came to mind. It's like I'm trying to f- I'm trying to put my finger on how I feel about them because I was one of those that felt really strongly about them entering the playoffs because I don't believe that their regular season was any kind of a fluke and obviously they were in the NBA finals last year too, but they just they just don't feel right. They don't feel like a champion to me. Like I can see, I can visualize Boston, I can visualize Milwaukee, I can visualize Golden State. I can get there with Miami, can't get there with Dallas and Phoenix. It just—it's like there's something. I'm just—I just can't. I don't quite feel it with them right now. You know, one thing that kind of stands out to me. They feel a little frontrunnery to me. Where like Milwaukee, they're up, they're down. They have Giannis, and I feel like if you have Giannis, and I can't believe I'm saying this because I was the guy that was criticizing him 18 months ago. But you got Giannis, like you're you're going to be in it at the end. Uh, Tatum has stepped up. Um, you know, Golden State's their, their track record speaks for itself. It kind of feels like with Phoenix, they, they they jump out, they get a big lead, they win. But when it comes to a close game late or a game where they're struggling late, and maybe this is unfair, and maybe it's recency bias from the last two or three games, they they, they just feel like a front-running team. Like when they start well, they're in control, they, they usually can get to the finish line. But it just feels like when you punch them back, I don't know, it just feels like, like, like there's just, it's not that they're soft, it's not that they're this, it's not that they're that. That's kind of what I feel like with them, though, is that there's, the, you know, we've seen the Milwaukee-Boston series, big leads, Big comebacks, stuff like that. And I just don't feel like we've seen this in the Phoenix series. They're either winning big or they're losing big in these games. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's fair. Um, I, I want to see them, I think, beat Dallas because I find that series much more interesting. Luka will make Golden State-Dallas interesting, but I just I don't give them much of a shot. I, I felt like, and I told you this going into the series, I, I thought Golden State would beat Memphis, but I thought that was going to be an incredible series. And I think I was right. I think I think we proved out, and you lost John Morant uh, the night actually we were on air, was actually when that happened. And that was a week ago, and I haven't seen him since, and he wasn't going to be back in the postseason. But but Memphis, there was a there was an air about them that you liked. I don't, I don't feel that air about Dallas. I think Phoenix could beat Golden State. Phoenix could win it all. They're good enough to win it all. I just need to see the pieces all kind of come together and consistently be the team that was being discussed for the last month of the regular season. And I have not seen that. Not consistently. I think that's one of the themes of this show tonight is consistency. And that to me is what's lacking with them is from one night to the next, I'm not sure which version of the Suns is going to show up. If you're losing close or you're winning close and all the games are going in that direction, then that just means there's a good matchup and that you guys are jockeying back and forth and maybe home court is going to define it and all this other stuff. But Phoenix has kind of had some inexplicable no-shows and some 
very dominant performances where it's like, well, that's the team that we thought they were going to be. But then the other version of them that just gets absolutely demolished, I'm not sure what that team is. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. Coming up, we continue the conversation on the NBA playoffs. Two game sevens tomorrow. Before we get back to that, though, let's get you caught up on everything that happened today. Steve DeSager, what's trending? We'll get to the scoreboard in a moment. I will say, when you talked about Eminem, it reminded me of a tweet with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announcement for this year that I saw earlier this month that someone just tweeted out, into the Rock and Roll Hall's class of 2022 was... Eminem, Duran Duran, Eurythmics, Lionel Richie, Carly Simon, Dolly Parton. And then mm. they wrote, what? what is rock and roll again? Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. Yeah. Uh, apparently to be eligible for a nomination, you just have to have released your first recording at least 25 years ago. And there you go. There you go. We can update the NHL playoffs. Game 7 at Edmonton. It's still Oilers 1-0 over the L.A. Kings. Outshooting L.A. about 40-20 to so far. We have five minutes left in regulation of this game. Already Tampa Bay has eliminated Toronto 2-1 to in a Game 7. This is a Lightning team that won the Stanley Cup each of the past two seasons. Carolina eliminated Boston 3-2. to The home team won each game in that first round series. Couple more Game 7s tomorrow night to end Round 1. Pittsburgh will be at the range. Rangers, then Dallas at Calgary. The Penguins' Sidney Crosby practiced today. He was out last night with a concussion. Pittsburgh lost Game 5 and Game 6 in this series. The NBA is off tomorrow. They are a couple of Game 7s to end the second round. Milwaukee at Boston, then Dallas at Phoenix. Milwaukee canceled tomorrow's big watch party outside the arena after three separate shootings in the area last night. To Major League Baseball, there's only one game still going at Dodger Stadium. Phillies still lead L.A. 8-3 in the top of the ninth. Julio Rios was the Dodgers' starting pitcher. He allowed four homers in the first four innings. Angels have earned a split of their doubleheader at Oakland. Lost the first game 4-3 when they gave up a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth. The closer, Rysel Iglesias, took the loss for the Halos. But then the Angels won the nightcap 9-1. Taylor Ward with a grand slam. Taylor Ward of the Angels is batting 384. White Sox beat the Yankees 3-2, ending the Yanks' five-game winning streak. Mets won the late game in New York over Seattle 5-4. There was a rain delay at the start. Mets got a solo homer in the bottom of the seventh to retake the lead. Toronto's five-game losing streak is over. A 5-1 win at Tampa Bay thanks to four runs top of the eighth, including a couple of homers. And on FS1 today, Atlanta 6-5 over San Diego thanks to four runs bottom of the eighth. The win to closer Kenley Jansen. Ronald Acuna was out again with a groin injury. The Padres in the top of the eighth had scored four unearned runs and then lost the game anyway. The French Open starts in just over a week. On the clay courts, Novak Djokovic advanced to the final at the Italian Open today, earning his 1,000th career victory. On the women's side, number one ranked Iga Sviantek from Poland won her 27th straight match. The record is still Martina Navratilova's from 1984 when she won 74 straight tennis matches. Back to you. Thank you, DeSager. DeSager, you'll join us again in about uh, 10 minutes or so here. Uh, what else you got for us when you, when you join us? In we uh, may have a final on our final NHL Game 7 tonight. We'll also mention exactly how bad the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the postseason. And we'll have an update on uh, a notable A-ball game, and we'll get to some TV ratings as well. Did you say A-ball, like single A? Baseball? That is correct. Oh, what Something a another name for the USFL. Whoa! <laughs> Did they play today? Did I miss that in the update? On Fox TV? TV, yes, New Jersey Generals 27-17 over New Orleans. Yeah, how's that going? 
I got a lot that of old thoughts. league you got there. Yeah, I got a lot of thoughts on it, but none of them are good. I saw a tweet. I, I actually almost sent it to you, Jason. It was something like uh, it was somebody in Alabama, like. Uh, uh, it said something like the the Birmingham Stallions are undefeated and they're pl- they're da da da. Why has AL dot com not covered this? And it's like because nobody cares. Like the- that's the only team that draws. All the games are in Birmingham. What is draw to Sager? What is uh, what are we talking about? We say draw. Well, all the other games seem to get about forty people in yes, the stands, it's bad, man. and then it's like four thousand for Birmingham. And there's more people playing than there are watching. Yeah. Well, it goes to what we led the show with, with uh, Jason. I, I do want to stick with the NBA, but but we can, uh, you know, we did lead the show with the NFL schedule, and it's like, you know, it's it's what we said uh, when when this uh, when the USFL started. Is first of all, nobody's rooting against these guys. We all wish them luck, but this idea that there's not too much football, it's just a load of baloney, right? Like, you know. The Giants play the Bears at some point this year. The Giants play the Commanders twice. That's too much football. I don't care if it's Monday night, Thursday night. Well, if it's Thursday or Monday, I might watch it. But we have too much football even with the NFL. And now you're giving us a bunch of guys that we don't know in empty stadiums. As Sager just said, I don't really know. So. Got anything else uh, on the USFL? Uh, no, no. I just I, I felt like the drive-by was enough. Yeah, it was. It was. We we can get back to it. Uh, Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. What else you got on the playoffs, man? I, I was, I'll say this, is that I, I think overall the NBA playoffs have been really fun. Again, for people just joining us, it goes without saying. You probably know, but two game sevens tomorrow, Milwaukee-Boston, and then Dallas-Phoenix. The late game will make our official picks in hour four. I do think it's been a good playoffs overall, though. I think you know you and I it, we spoke a little bit about some of the frustrating things off the court that the NBA has done over the last week. But on the court, you know, I, I think Giannis has really emerged, in my opinion, as the best player in the league. Jason Tatum has really emerged. The Suns are an interesting story. Memphis, I actually thought Memphis showed themselves really well without John Morant. You know, that was one, Jason, I'll be honest, where, you know, coming into that series, it felt like Memphis, you know, the young team, up and coming, young star who's never really been there before. Okay, they got through the first round. They won their opening series. Great story. Great, great season, whatever. But now they're playing the team that's been there a million times and knows what it takes to win at the highest level. Uh, and, and I didn't think Memphis stood much of a chance against Golden State. So to push them to six, the last couple games without their star, John Morant, obviously game five was a complete blowout. I was really impressed by Memphis. And you talk about what the next you know, five, ten years of this league looks like as Golden State gets older, as LeBron gets older, as KD gets older. I think Memphis asserted themselves as a team that's going to be uh, a force to be reckoned with going forward. Yeah, and I, look, this is this is basically what I told you was coming. That when you're looking at Oklahoma City early, where they're threatening, they're not going to get there yet. That's the way the NBA works. You don't just go from worst to first like that. They were the number two seed, which is certainly very good. They've got a transcendent level superstar that's incredibly young, that's going to have to mature. The team's going to have to mature around him. I mean, on the floor. Uh, but they showed up and they refused to be punked out by Golden State. They earned Golden State's respect. Golden State laughed at them in the game where they were down 55 points after the game and just kind of threw it off like it was nothing. And then they showed up with the heart of a champion in Game 6. They just didn't quite have enough when the scoring streak came there towards the end. But I said, look, Golden State's going to win the series, but Memphis is going to be a team you're going to think about after the fact. And that's exactly what you've got. You've got a bright future. When we were watching Minnesota and Memphis, we felt like we were watching the future in the present. You're watching it ahead of schedule. 
It's probably not going to make a deep run in the playoffs, but it's going to make somebody earn it. And that's the one thing you can say is Golden State had to earn that, even when Ja went out. There's something to be said for the fact that Memphis was 20-5 and without him during the regular season. They were great with him on the floor, but they also galvanized and did the best that they could in his absence and had a well over 500 record as well. I think it all needs to be talked about. There are some... You know, there's some growth that needs to happen, and you have to learn how to win in the NBA. And they're still kind of in the midst of that process. But that was a fun series, and it was dramatic, and there was a lot going on, and there was a whole lot of content to discuss from it. The NBA playoffs have been outstanding. I've enjoyed the heck out of all of it. Can't wait to see what we're going to see here in these game sevens and then moving on to the conference finals. But yeah, Memphis and Golden State was everything that you wanted. It was a team that was established. It was made guys against what could be. And I'm excited that we have both. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin coming up. DeSager rejoins us. He's got all sorts of good stuff from across the world of sports today, including a story from single A baseball. You got to hear this one. This is... Fox Sports Radio. Steve. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. A lot happened in the world of sports today. Let's bring in Steve DeSager to discuss it all. DeSager, what's up? Well, we got just a few seconds to go, and then the LA Kings season will be over with a first-round Game 7 loss at Edmonton. 2-0 apparently is going to be the final, 10 seconds and counting remaining. We had Carolina eliminate the Boston Bruins 3-2, and Tampa Bay a 2-1 win at Toronto. We referenced a bit of this earlier on in the show. It is now final, 2-0 Edmonton. But this Toronto team, of course, is one of the original franchises of the NHL, but they have won the Stanley Cup since 1967. In other words, not since most of the teams have joined the league that are currently in the NHL. The Leafs still haven't won any playoff series since 2004. And then this from Stats Inc., that in not just NHL history, but in postseasons of NBA or Major League Baseball either, to do this in the opening round of those three sports, the Maple Leafs are the first team in history to lose a first-round winner-take-all game of the playoffs five years in a row. Because over the last five years, they're winless in elimination games, such as a Game 7 tonight, but they've had nine elimination games. They just they were had a chance last game to close out the series in Game 6 and lost in overtime at Tampa Bay. So Toronto 0-9 in the last five years with a chance to eliminate an opponent. There was an A-ball game in Dunedin, Florida today. That is the Toronto Blue Jays Class A affiliate. Final score was 1-0 over the Tampa Tarpons. It was a two-hitter combined, two for 29 at the plate with 24 strikeouts for the Tampa side. (laughs) 24 strikeouts of the 27 outs against a total of three pitchers for the Dunedin side. Apparently, according to MLB, there was a minor league game, a Pirates minor leaguer in 1952, where a guy at the age of 19 struck out 27 by himself in a no-hitter in nine innings. There was a walk, there was an error, there was a hit batter, so it wasn't a perfect game, but apparently that's the only time ever at any pro level that someone struck out 27 in a regulation nine innings. I do remember from when I worked in Orange County years ago that Hall of Fame pitcher Walter Johnson went to high school near Anaheim, Fullerton High School, and he pitched a 15-inning game in 1905 
and struck out 27, which, of course, for many years was the high school record in Southern California. One other note from Double A Baseball, the Dodgers affiliate Tulsa had, well, quite a pitching matchup going on to tonight. And it was Jack Leiter on the amount for the uh, opponents that is the Frisco Rough Riders. Jack Leiter, a guy that was drafted number two overall from mm-hmm. Vanderbilt just last summer tonight. He didn't get out of the second inning. Six runs allowed. His team lost 11-1 to to Tulsa. And the Dodgers' double-A team Tulsa had, as its pitcher, Bobby Miller, who was Dodgers' late first-rounder two years ago from the University of Louisville. He threw five scoreless innings. Well, the NBA had a playoff doubleheader on TV, and ESPN averaged over 4 million viewers for it on Thursday night. At the same time, the NHL had three games on the Turner channels, and they averaged about 750,000 viewers. Tonight, we have no NBA at all. We have three Game 7s of the NHL. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> <laughs> Through Thursday, the first round of the Stanley Cup's playoffs, uh, actually averaging about 670,000 viewers across all the cable channels. Remember, no network TV, apparently, until the final in this postseason for hockey. So put it this way, Sunday Night Baseball so far this season is averaging over 1.7 million viewers. The hockey playoffs are averaging under 0.7 million viewers. We do have a couple more Game 7s tomorrow. We have the two NBA Game 7s to end the second round. The Miami Heat, as top seed in the East, will be hosting Games 1 and 2 in the East Finals Tuesday and Thursday nights. That much we know. And if the Suns win tomorrow night, they're hosting Dallas in a Game 7. Then Phoenix, as top seed, would be hosting Games 1 and 2 in the West. Finals against Golden State on Wednesday and Friday night. So conference finals start this next week. NBA finals will start June the 2nd. As for the late ball game, it is final. Phillies 8-3 over the Dodgers. Bryce Harper has now homered three straight nights in L.A. He has nine this season. Kyle Schwarber hit his ninth home run. The Dodgers have lost six make that five of their last six games they've had an awful week julio arias gave up a three-run homer in the first in fact he wound up giving up four long balls in the first four innings wound up going six innings five earned runs in case you haven't heard clayton kershaw's on the injured list now they had to move up walker bueller to start last night and he allowed five runs five innings not expecting to pitch last night not going well for the team in blue meanwhile the angels split a doubleheader with oakland and shohei otani hit his seventh homer of the year that's number 100 in his major league career already but taylor ward hit a grand slam batting over 380 and the angels won the nightcap nine to one in the opener, they left 11 men on base. They gave up a three-run homer in the ninth, lost 4-3. Oakland had lost seven straight home games. I would say it's been affecting them, but probably not much more than the attendance has been. Attendance was 12,000 for the Oakland A's as part of this split doubleheader. The Yankees are doing very well. Five straight wins, 24-8 and record going into tonight, but the White Sox get a run in the bottom of the ninth off closer Araldis Chapman to beat New York 3-2. The Yankees had just tied it with a run in the eighth. And a run in the top of the ninth. Giancarlo Stanton in defeat did have three hits. He's batting 300. Mets had a rain delay at the start of their game in New York, but they did beat Seattle 5-4 with a solo homer bottom of the seventh. Seattle had just tied it with a three-run homer in the top of the seventh. The save to Edwin Diaz of the Mets. Three straight strikeouts in the ninth. Mariners left 10 men on base. On the FS1 game, the Padres top of the eighth scored four unearned runs for the lead and then gave up four runs to Atlanta in the bottom of the eighth. 6-5 Braves the final. And 
the St. Louis Cardinals have homered in 10 straight games now. They shut out San Francisco 4 nothing today. The ball game tomorrow night will be the Cardinals-Giants, and Adam Wainwright will come off the COVID list to start against San Francisco's Carlos Rodon, who's 4-1. and The PGA Championship starts on Thursday. Phil Mickelson officially withdrew yesterday, although it's just week after week a statement that he's not going to play. We haven't actually seen him on the course or anywhere, I think, in about three months at this point. Somebody tweeted yesterday, I wish Phil had shown his face Unlike those Saudi women who can't show their faces. For- <laughs> that's, no, that's awful, but pretty funny. It's supposed to be that new golf tour, uh, Saudi-sponsored, early next month is due to begin. Uh, and yes, by the way, there is a USFL game back on Fox TV Ooh, tomorrow I know, afternoon. I know Jason will be doing. The Pittsburgh Maulers, 0-4 against the Houston Gamblers, ladies and gentlemen. But- They're due. <laughs> Thank you, DeSager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. That was for you, DeSager. Standing call it ovation the DeSager here in the studio. DeSegment. We need to call it the DeSager DeSegment from now on. I've decided. Hey, Steve. The DeSager DeSegment. That was uh, the DeSager DeSegment. Coming coming up, uh, we will get back to the NFL schedule. Bernie Fratto joins us. All sorts of good stuff. One hour left. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. L-A-S-I-K. LASIK.com. Have you been thinking about LASIK but not sure if you're a candidate? Just go to LASIK.com slash quiz and take our free candidacy quiz. In just a few minutes, you'll know if LASIK is likely right for you. And if it is, we'll connect you with experienced LASIK doctors in your area. Start your journey towards 2020 vision. Take our free candidacy quiz at LASIK.com slash quiz. Yeah, LASIK.com. Easy to remember, so you know where to start. L-A-S-I-K, LASIK.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Fox Sports Radio. Welcome in, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday, Hour 4, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. About 20 minutes from now, Bernie Fratto will join us. 
Bernie has all sorts of good stuff on the opening uh, NFL lines as we now officially have the schedule. He's got some stuff on uh, the NBA playoffs, all that good stuff. So Bernie Fratto in 20 minutes. Of course, Bernie will be following us at the top of the hour. By the way, as I always say, if you want to get into the show, feel free to tweet us at Aaron underscore Torres at Radio. Uh, Jason, we open the show. Talking a little NFL schedule release. Um, you know, one credit to the NFL. I mean, just they turn everything into an event, everything into a spectacle, everything into a TV show. I think uh, for all the criticism that Roger Goodell takes, I think he's an incredible uh, leader of of businessmen that just continue to make money hand over fist on everything the NFL touches. But in terms of the NFL schedule, I know we talked about it a little bit, but uh, for those people that weren't with us in hour one, is there a single big takeaway for you on the NFL schedule? Is it more of a totality of things? Obviously, the big news, of course, the opening night game on Thursday, the Rams hosting the Buffalo Bills, that first Monday night game game is Russell Wilson's return to Seattle and of course Tampa Bay playing Dallas on the first Sunday night game so a lot going on I know I just threw it in a million different direction to you Jason but any one specific thing stand out about the schedule release on Thursday I mean what we talked about earlier about well I mean I look at who's got pressure going into the season and you look at and we know Tua has a ton of pressure because they surrounded him with a lot Jalen Hurts probably has a good bit of pressure because of one, he plays in Philadelphia. Two, they spent money, big time money, and draft capital on AJ Brown. They moved up to get Jordan Davis. They did some things. But last year, Matt Stafford had the most pressure of anybody, and he came through with flying colors. This year, the other guy that had a lot of pressure last year was Aaron Rodgers. This year, he does again in a different way. Not only did he lose Devontae Adams, so now he's got to try to make another guy. Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, he's certainly capable of it, we think, but I don't know about their receiving core. I don't know who's taking the step, if anybody is taking the step this year. But their schedule, comparatively, their own writer for ESPN said they should go 14-3 and minimum. They play a few tough teams, but what they're playing in division is not difficult. And even the divisions that are that they're matching up with aren't particularly difficult. So, to me, that puts even more pressure on Rodgers because he took the money. We know he took the money. We know it was important to him to take the money and to have that number attached to his name. If they don't succeed, that's going to fall on him. And I think it's going to begin to hurt his legacy a little bit because we already have these problems in the playoffs where they don't go deep where he's got a losing record ever since winning the Super Bowl, where he can't ever seem to win the NFC Championship game, if he can get there. And now you've taken away some weapons, and he's contributed to it. He's created all this drama. They've won 13 games for three years running, and now they're coming back with an easy schedule. And if they finish 9-8, and if they finish 10-7, and now I'm not saying they're going to, but if they do, there's only one guy you can blame. And it's Aaron Rodgers. I'm not blaming LaFleur. I'm not blaming the skill, talent, all this other stuff. Because a lot of this is the same bed that Aaron Rodgers made. And so he's the one that's going to have to lie in it if it goes south. Now, he may not. This schedule should put him in the Super Bowl or should put him in the number one seed. But 
If it does not, a lot of that's going to fall on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and for people who haven't seen the schedule for the Packers, it's very advantageous. Uh, they they obviously look. There, there's a couple marquee games. They play the Bucks. They play the Rams. They play the Bills. They play the Titans. So obviously, it's not to say that they don't play anybody, but. Obviously, the NFC North is not uh, <laughs> its not in a place where there appears to be an obvious competitor for them at the top of the division. Vikings' new head coach, the, Bear, the Bears' new head coach, uh, the Detroit Lions, year two of the Dan Campbell era. So there appear to be six wins on paper there. You're also playing against the, the cross-division games against the NFC East, which we know that Philly's interesting, Dallas is interesting. Also, uh, New York Giants and the Commanders are a mess. And then the AFC East they're playing as well. Once you get past Buffalo, it looks like a couple easy wins there. And so, yeah, I I think it's going to be a couple things that are going to be interesting for Aaron Rodgers this year and the legacy. It's the fact that you know, if they do fall off in the regular season, I think that's a major, major, major red flag because the schedule is built for them to really, if they, if they, if they have, you know, two or three mark, really about four marquee games. If you go two and two, even one and three, whatever, two and two, and you win another, lose another game somewhere along the way, you're still in pretty good shape to finish the regular season fourteen and three, thirteen and four at worst. If you get to eleven and six, ten and seven, as we said in hour one. That's when there has to be concern about the, you know, the not just the future, but but that this is a, a organization that's in, in regression. At the same time, it also sets up for the opposite, too, is it sets up for a scenario where if you do have success, if you do get that number one seed or a two seed or a three seed in home field advantage, and you still, you're still in a position where we're not going to know a ton about you when you enter the playoffs the way that we're going to know about some of these other teams in some stronger divisions. So the Packers, for me, are a very interesting story from the, the uh, schedule release the other day, Jason. I'll add this, and, and this is something you brought up. I thought it was a great point. The other thing that stands out is something that we've talked about really for about four months now, or at least we talked about on Christmas. Christmas night was you and I were were hosting in this normal slot. Christmas was on a Saturday this past year. We saw the success of, ironically, the Packers playing on Saturday night, Christmas Day. They played the Browns, Baker Mayfield, huge ratings. And you and I both sat there and said, this feels like something. The NFL, for people who don't remember, two years ago, the NFL was kind of hesitant, or the NBA, excuse me, was kind of hesitant. Do we start the season on time? Do we push past Christmas? Whatever. The NFL goes in, has one Christmas Day game a few years ago, two years ago now, in 2020. 2021, they have two. The Packers and Browns do monster ratings it feels as though the NBA t- the NBA takes a back seat well this year we not only have three games we have three pretty marquee games on on Christmas Day with the Packers visiting the Miami Dolphins in the the early game after that we have Denver visiting the Los Angeles Rams Tampa Bay visiting Arizona in the late game so that was another thing that stood out to me that we knew that they were going to play more games on Christmas Day historically when Christmas has fallen on a Sunday most of those games get pushed up to Saturday but we have a busy Saturday and then three now we have three NFL games on Christmas Day which is on a Sunday super marquee games and it feels like they're just trying to shove the NBA out the side door on Christmas Day yeah that's right and again, you you look at it and and I think I like I said I want to credit whoever originally said this, but it came to me third hand that the markets that are playing on Christmas have NBA franchises that the NBA likely would want on Christmas Day, and it's been 
we've all kind of said this for a while, that the NBA season should really start on Christmas Day. That should be day one, because that's when we actually begin to pay attention. A lot more people do. You're closer to the end of the football season, and it's kind of, it becomes another, it's like it's a holiday. It's Christmas, and it's the start of the NBA season. Well, And, and now, it was a, by the way, like, and it push was a, it even further. I was going to say, it was a day that you owned up until yes. this year as well. So, continue. You, a lot of times it'd be five games on Christmas Day, and they'd start, like, we'd be opening gifts at 10.30 and the Knicks would be on. Yep. <laughs> like it would, and it would be like that. And, and that's what it should have been. They, they owned the day. It felt like a cool basketball day. You get a basketball jersey or something like that for Christmas. You'd wear that. Your kid would. Whatever. And now the NFL's like, hey, um, uh, to the back, to the back row. Like at this point in time, they're doing a triple header, so they're going to own the whole day, and they're picking markets that matter. I think the key, the biggest one of all, is Green Bay, Miami. Why is Green Bay, Miami on Christmas? Oh, oh, Bucks Heat. Like, there's no way you just pick that randomly, right? Like, there's there's too much coincidence in the games that they picked and the markets that they picked on Christmas for that to be anything other than the Draymond Green in Memphis to the NBA from the NFL. It's a really interesting thought. It's a really interesting thought, and you're right. I mean, you just look at some of these these matchups. I mean, even Denver, the Denver versus Denver the Lakers. Rams. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, even outside of the NBA stuff, it's just you know that's not a matchup that you would normally you know you see. And so, I don't know. That was a very interesting point by whoever did bring it up. The, the Christmas Day stuff. A couple other things that stand out. One, the New England Patriots five. Primetime games. I believe the Cowboys, they tie the Cowboys for the most. Um, and it's something, again, something you and I talked about earlier where I, I think the difference between the Cowboys and the Patriots, they're both huge brands, but the, the Cowboys, I still think they're going to be really good. They're going to certainly be entertaining. I'm not sure the Patriots are going to be that entertaining. And and that's what's going to be kind of interesting to me is some of these games are later in the season. Now, some of them are marquee matchups. You have a, a, a game, um, a Monday night game at Arizona. You have a game against Buffalo in prime time. So it's not as though the matchups and the opponents won't likely be good. But at the same time, this was a team, they listen, they, they were kind of tough to watch by the end of the season last year. Now, they played well in the middle of the season. There was a moment in time where we thought maybe they're the best team in the AFC, but they were winning based on the defense. Bill Belichick has never surrounded his quarterbacks with the skill position talent needed. And that was just one thing that stood out to me was, I understand it's the Patriots, I understand it's Bill Belichick, we could get some real, snoo- <laughs> we get some real snoozers in some of those late, uh, late season games uh, marquee game or games that are supposed to be marquee, although to the point that you brought up and the point to Sager brought up in hour one, uh, maybe people will tune in just to root against the Patriots. But I think there's a good chance that they're they're a decent to slightly above decent football team, and we're going to be seeing them a lot in standalone games. Uh, yeah, and no, I agree. I think that the problem is going to be. I think this is about the last year you can get away with this. Yeah. If they if they go out this year and it's real mediocre and it's not interesting and they don't have a deep playoff run, I think the luster then begins to kind of go off of the the like rubbernecking Belichick. They have to they have to be good. Mac Jones needs to take the right second year step and he's certainly capable of doing that, but I don't like what they've done in the offseason. I don't think they're a playoff team. Not in this AFC. I think the Bills are going to whitewash that division, and I, I just I, I think I feel like the Patriots may have tried to stay in place and fell behind a couple of steps because everybody else kept moving. 
This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. One other note, the Bucks just a loaded schedule. They play at Dallas to open the season first Sunday night game. Week three against Green Bay. Week four against Kansas City. Late in the season, they welcome Joe Burrow to town and the Browns late in the season as well. Coming up, Bernie Fratto. He'll join us from, from Vegas, get you his thoughts on not only the schedule itself, but the early point spreads that are coming out. Where are the Sharps placing their money? Plus plenty more on the NBA playoffs and everything else going on in the world of sports. Bernie Fratto next, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here. Saturday night. You hear him at the top of the hour, straight out of Vegas, 2 a.m. Eastern to 6 a.m. Eastern, 11 to 3 Pacific time. Bernie Fratto, I believe you were off last week. Everything good? You have a good getaway? Uh, how, how's Bernie Fratto? How's Bernie Fratto's world? Well, it's a wonderful gentleman. Yeah, I was back in Grand Rapids. I was just telling Iowa Sam, 47 and raining on Thursday. So nice spring weather back in Grand Rapids. But uh, had a great time. I don't know if there's any Crown Royal left in uh, western <laughs> Michigan, and I did kill a lot of bacteria. Very good. Well, let's get into the news of the week. Uh, the NFL schedule was dropped. First of all, did anything – listen, we could talk about point spreads, early lines, all that stuff, but did anything just in general about the schedule release stand out to you? No, uh, not not really. I mean, I would say this from a betting standpoint. The Chiefs are going to get out of the gate. Their first eight games are, are against teams who finished above 500. Uh, so keep an eye on that. Uh, one of the trends, but this has been something that I've talked about the last five years. Week one, uh, you have a situation where divisional dogs are 73% week one, mostly because teams started full strength. Uh, the dogs are still very optimistic, and, you know, there's the morale's good, and good teams haven't really fully gelled yet, and there are injury factors. And, you know, the NFL, the disparity is not as big as people think, and so when you have two coaches that have months to game plan for the first game, so you got five divisional dogs week one. The Falcons, Steelers, Vikings, Raiders, and Patriots are all divisional dogs. And if history, if past is prologue, that's where you want to be, 73% the last five years. But to your point on the schedule, Aaron, there are some out of, you know there are some things I took note of. The Lions are the only team that won't have a single primetime game this year. Or West Coast game either, right? They All their games yes. are 10 a, uh, 11, 1 p.m. Eastern, 11 or 10 Pacific, right? And I think the Steelers are, are, are exactly the same way. Uh, they, they, and so, you, and, but on the other hand, the Steelers play three games in 11 days to start the season at Cincinnati versus New England and at Cleveland, and they'll have a new quarterback. So that could be a tough stretch, you know, and then there are other things, for instance, but you say to yourself, if you overthink this, what's the real context? Like for instance, the bears won't play a single road game in December. Okay, whoop-de-damn-do. The last time that happened was 1964. They still went 5-9. and nine. So the long and the short of it is, I'm really starting to get into the schedule and pour into the schedule and look for the teams that have three straight road games or three straight non-divisional games followed by a divisional game. These are you know legitimate trends because week in and week out, they're human, right? They look at their itinerary. The first thing a, an NFL player does when he gets his schedule is, where's my bye week? <laughs> they look for that, right? But then you look for other primetime games and things of that nature. And week in, week out, out, uh, you look for those spot plays, as it were. On paper, and just not really, I know you haven't poured through the schedule that much yet, Bernie, but what teams just kind of have been on your mind as ones that you're just expecting to underperform expectations right now? Like, just you just don't, you don't have a good feeling about those teams right now. 
Well, definitely the 49ers are one. Uh, I, from what I'm hearing, Trey Lance is, I thought he would be, is way behind the curve. And uh, he's not looked good. So could that change? Sure. You know, they haven't gotten rid of Jimmy Garoppolo yet. Part of it is because of his surgery, and you don't really have the, uh, you know, the market until that clears up. But I think the 49ers can drop off, and they've got to get their Debo Samuel situation uh, straightened out. As much as I'm a Titans fan, I'm concerned they could drop off. Uh, I think Green Bay could drop off, although that division is almost is as close to a gimme as you can find. I'm not so sure uh, that the Chargers are going to be as great as everybody thinks they are or the Raiders are going to be as great as everybody thinks they are, but I still think you're going to have the usual suspects. you got to remember, every year, five teams that make the playoffs the year before don't the following year, and the first two that jump to me are, frankly, the Raiders and the 49ers. First of all, Byrne, great call on the uh, Chiefs schedule. I had not noticed this. Ten of their first 12 were against teams that made the playoffs last yeah. year, so no joke there. Uh, what about teams that you think – is there anybody that jumps out that you think could overachieve? I mean, we were talking about the Packers a minute ago. That's not an overachieving team, but the schedule is very advantageous for them. Uh, I don't know. Any, any Anything else from the schedule that stands out outside of what we've already talked about? Well, one of the things I'm going to talk about are the games, the 10 games that really caught my eye. You can call them the 10 best matchups. They're they're intriguing. You know, you know they may not be good games. They may be blowouts, but there's some beauties uh, this year. The Bills at the Chiefs, Week 6, obviously the rematch. I think the Bills are everything is advertised. They open up at L.A. against the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs, Week one, that'll all, that'll really feel like a playoff game. The Broncos at Seahawks, week one, it's the first Monday night game. It's part of the doubleheader. You say, what's the big deal about that game? Sorry, we know how these things work. When Russell Wilson goes back to Seattle, there's going to be very mixed emotions. And look, Russell Wilson is an interesting guy. He's been to two Super Bowls, won one. He's a little more polarizing than people think. And I've talked to folks in Seattle that said much the same way. Was it Belichick or Brady? Well, was it Russell or was it Carey? Was it Russell or was it the Legion of Boom? Or was it uh, Russell or was it Marshawn Lynch? So he, I think Russell Wilson will have a chip on his shoulder. Week three, Green Bay goes down to Tampa Bay. That's a Sunday night game. That should have fireworks written all over it. Jason, you asked a really good question. I've got a little bit of a concern that the Patriots could drop mm-hmm. off as well this year. I think the rest of that division is much better. Miami's better. Buffalo got even better on defense. And I think uh, the Jets are going to be very improved. They drafted very well. They got at least four starters in the draft. So the Winland could be back to their you know 9-8, 8-9 type of season. I don't know that they'll make the playoffs. No, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Another team, tell me how you feel about this one, Burn, because they're going from one of the worst schedules to one of the toughest schedules. That's Cincinnati. That's what happens when you win a division, you play a first-place schedule, and they're coming off a Super Bowl loss, which often that's often tough to overcome. These are young guys, and I believe in Burrow, and I like them a lot, and I think they address the offensive line, which was the thing that they most had to do. I like their team. But, boy, they've got a target on their back now that that franchise is not used to. Well, that's fair. They've gone from uh, being, you know, the hunters to being the hunted now. And uh, you've got expectations, what I call quantum physics. There's real expectations. But you are right. They short up their offensive line. Their defense will be very good. They drafted pretty well. They've still got some cap space to do some things. 
it's going to be between them and the Ravens. I'm not so sure Pittsburgh will have the kind of year they want to have this year. I like Mitch Trubisky, but I don't think he leads him to the promised land. I think Cleveland, as long as the Deshaun Watson situation is unsettled, I don't feel like Cleveland can really bank on having a great year this year. I'm not saying they're going to have a terrible year. but And and by the way, someone's still got to remind me where Deshaun Watson hung all those Super Bowl banners in Houston. So I think it's (laughs) going to be between the Ravens, the Ravens, and the uh, and, and the Cincinnati and those two will you know lock horns a couple times this year. One acid test I think for the Ravens they host the Bills week four just this regular Sunday you know Sunday game. But you'll have uh, Lamar Jackson. He's looking to prove something this year. Uh, so you're gonna bring up a good point. The Bengals are going to be hunted, but at the same time I still think they're going to be pretty good. Burn obviously two uh, game sevens tomorrow in the NBA. Yeah. But before we get to those. Uh, Lakers looking for a new head coach. I, I know some of this stuff you can't bet legally in the sports books, but I know there's always offshore stuff. What is the latest on the Lakers' next head coach? Yeah, courtesy of covers. Uh, and by the way, I'm going to have Mark Medina on tonight to talk about this because I'm starting to wonder what will happen first. Will the Lakers hire a head coach or will we put a man on Mars? <laughs> and, 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 who, and who's going to make the decision and who really wants that job? I, I never really believed Nick Nurse. Why would he leave a cushy job in Toronto making $8 million a year? But he's 10 to 1. And I'm not so sure why uh, Quinn Snyder would want to leave Utah. He's 12 to 1. But, you know, you see Terry Stotts, kind of the favorite of the clubhouse, in the clubhouse, 2-1. to one. They already said Doc Rivers would be back in Philadelphia. They got him in 3-1. to one. But then you've got all these names I just don't understand. Phil Jackson, 100-1. to Krzyzewski, 100-1. Becky Hammond, 66-1. to one. She's already got a job. This is really going to be a difficult decision. And I think the biggest question I have is, more than anything, who is actually making the decision? Yeah, that's a good question. One thing, look, you're a Vegas guy. Tell me about Rich Strike, Bernie. I mean, I was riveted by that, and I'm not really a horse racing guy at all, but I watched that race live, and I watched the overhead deal, and just 80 to 1 and what that means and just the story from the Vegas perspective. Well, he's the biggest long shot in history, and 80 to 1. Remember, horse racing's a little different, guys. It's what's called paramutual. They put all the money in one pot, and depending on where the horses are bet, that's where uh, the money goes. So if you're a favorite, if you're messier and you're six to one or something along those lines, that means a lot of money came in on you. All this basically means is virtually no money came in on Rich Strike. The books were not really hurt that much. Secondly, I don't even think Rich Strike was slated to be in the race until like a couple days before. And now he's not going to run the Preakness. It's one of those things you can't explain in the world of sports. Long shots come in now and then, and he happened to be one of them. I don't really think I have a cogent, a cogent logical uh, explanation. You know, it's the 69 Mets and, uh, and the Miracle on Ice wrapped into one. So dumb question, Bernard. We'll let you go. Uh, with Rich Strike apparently is not going to race at the Preakness, uh, does th- that will not impact the handle all that much i can't imagine right no but if you were one of the folks holding a ticket on whether or not there will be a triple crown winner at eight to one after mm. the preakness goes off and rich Drake doesn't win or doesn't run in it you know you pretty much got firewood you might as well let it on fire at least to keep you warm that is Bertie Fratto. You'll hear him at the top of the hour straight out of Vegas. We didn't even get to ask you your perspective on the two game sevens tomorrow. I know you'll be talking a lot about that. Uh, the NFL schedule release. I know you got a loaded show, Bernie, so we appreciate you. And of course, we'll be listening to you at the top of the hour. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's Bernie Fratto. Of course, he is following us top of the hour straight out of Vegas. If you're not following him on Twitter, make sure to do so at Bernie Fratto. Final time today. Let's get to Steve DeSager. 
with What's Trending. And you guys mentioned the Kansas City Chiefs and their schedule for the coming season. People forget because the Chiefs wind up so doing so well and they had the overtime classic in the playoffs last year. How bad the Chiefs were in yes. the first half of last season. Yep. They started 3-4 and four after getting blown out at Tennessee, and then they got to play the woeful Giants right after that and got to play Bryce Love and barely beat those two teams, New York and Green Bay. It was this close to starting 3-6 and six for the Chiefs last year. Well, the NHL playoffs had three Game 7s in first-round series. First... It was Carolina eliminating Boston 3-2. The Hurricanes have won six straight Game 7s as a franchise since moving from Hartford 25 years ago. Too soon to say you're too soon. (laughs) Sorry, Connecticut. Tampa Bay, a 2-1 win at Toronto. Leaf still hasn't haven't won a playoff series since 2004. The Lightning advanced to play number one Florida next. And then the L.A. Kings season ended with a 2-0 defeat at Edmonton tonight. Kings still have not won a playoff series in eight years, not since they won their second Stanley Cup in 2014. In this series, there were no scoring changes, uh, lead changes in any of the games. The teams that scored first won every game, all seven in the Kings-Edmonton series. As for the NBA, off tonight two game sevens tomorrow to end the second round. Milwaukee at Boston, then Dallas at Phoenix. Milwaukee canceled tomorrow's big watch party outside the arena after three separate shootings in the area last night. Tomorrow's NASCAR race will be on FS1 from Kansas, 3 p.m. Eastern time. In qualifying today, Christopher Bell earned the pull. Then the Truck Series race was tonight on FS1. Zane Smith won it. To golf and the PGA Championship starts Thursday. Sebastian Munoz has a one-stroke lead at the Byron Nelson over Jordan Spieth, who shot a Third round, 64. Justin Thomas is three back. French Open on the clay court starting just over a week. Novak Djokovic advanced to the final at the Italian Open today, earning career victory number 1,000. The late game in Major League Baseball was at Dodger Stadium, and Philadelphia pounded L.A. 8-3, lost to Julio Arias, who allowed four, run, uh, four homers in the first four innings. Bryce Harper... Home runs in three straight nights in L.A. Had three hits, three RBIs in this game. The Angels split a doubleheader against the Oakland A's in the Bay Area. Gave up a three-run homer in the bottom of the ninth to lose the opener 4-3. But then the Angels won 9-1 in the nightcap. Taylor Ward batting 384 hit a grand slam. Already he's had two of these types of games this season where he's had not only a grand slam, but at least three hits in the game and at least two extra base hits and a walk also. Did that in a game late April and again tonight. According to Stats Inc., the last MLB player to have two of those type of games in one season was Lou Gehrig. The Chicago (laughs) Cubs were 4-2 winners at Arizona. That game was tied 1-1 going to the ninth. Diamondbacks, 10 men left on base. The loss to Arizona's closer, Mark Melanson, in the past week, this is five appearances, Melanson has allowed 11 runs in three and a third innings. Colorado ended a five-game losing streak with a 10-4 victory over Kansas City. Toronto ended its five-game losing streak with a 5-1 win at Tampa Bay. Four runs in the top of the eighth, including two homers for the Blue Jays. Washington ended Houston's 11-game winning streak, 13-6. The White Sox, with a run in the bottom of the ninth, beat the Yankees and closer Aroldis Chapman 3-2. That ends the Yanks' five-game winning streak. Cleveland, in 10 innings, won 3-2 at Minnesota. Mets 5-4 over Seattle with a solo homer bottom of the seventh. 
Also, Miami and Pittsburgh got wins, Detroit and St. Louis as well. And on FS1 today, Atlanta 6-5 over San Diego, thanks to four runs. Bottom of the eighth, back to you. Thank you, Steve Sager. This is Fox Sports Radio, Fox Sports Saturday. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin here Saturday night. So, Jason, I, I've been here at Fox Sports Radio for about four years now, four and a half years. I think I, my, me and Arnie started in this time slot in February of 2018, so a little over four years ago. Uh, and one thing, wow. I, one, <laughs> thank you, Sam. One thing I've learned through the years is that one of our biggest, most listened to affiliates is K Fan in Minneapolis. And why do I bring it up, Jason? So there's some people in Minneapolis that are listening to me tonight, listening to us tonight, that are not happy with something that I said prior to Bernie's arrival on the Whoa. show. Yeah, you know, I, I said something, and even when I said it, I was like, you know, that 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 that, that wasn't right. I, I said Green Bay has six built-in wins in the division. Uh, uh, I, got it. I've got a few. I've got a few comments. Kyle chimes in and he says Vikings have split the season series each of the last two years with the Packers. He's right. And then Arik says the way you put the Packers at 13-14 wins make it sounds like they play in a division that has three teams that will only win four to five games each. The Vikings are a decent team and they fortify their defense giving the Packers six win in the NFC North is a mistake. So we got the people, well, I got the people of Minnesota fired up, but I do agree, probably not giving enough credit to Minnesota, a team that, I'll say this, you know, listen, I mean, are are they a huge topic on a night like tonight with the NFL schedule release? They're not, but this was a team that last year, even with all the turmoil with Mike Zimmer, went eight and nine. As they said, they, as these uh, couple listeners said, uh, let's not forget they did beat the Packers in Minneapolis, in Minnesota, uh, about midway point of the season. They obviously had some big wins along the way so the Vikings uh, they actually open with the Packers so that'll be an interesting thought there I could sound pretty dumb saying that the Packers will go 6-0 and in the division when they open at Minnesota this coming season a place that they lost last year yeah Minnesota is I'm glad they hired an offensive coach for Kirk me too. Cousins me too. Uh, for his sake I pretty much watch his doppelganger here <laughs> in Nashville on Sundays with Ryan Tannehill. Now, Tannehill's gone a little bit deeper in the playoffs than Cousins has, but there's a lot of similarities between those two guys. Kirk Cousins is better than his worst moments would indicate, but he has a tendency to underperform in late afternoon and primetime games. Dalvin Cook, when he's healthy, is outstanding. I think Justin Jefferson has the talent. This is going to sound crazy. He has the talent to be the best receiver in football within a couple of years not top five not top three best receiver in football i'm talking jamar i'm talking aj brown i'm talking all those guys justin jefferson is the truth and you've got him and you've still got Thielen. you've got a solid offense there defensive pieces there's some holes but there's some things that i like it really just comes down to whether or not that quarterback can win for you in in the right moments I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if they split with Green Bay. Problem is, that's it. Like, the division is half a division at best. If you took the AFC South and the NFC North, you have one division. You have four teams. You have the Titans, the Colts, the Vikings, and the Packers. That's it. Lions have zero primetime games for a reason. The Bears just completed one of the worst drafts we've ever seen. I feel real sorry for Justin Fields. Because I just don't think he's ever had a chance. I don't think he had a chance last year, and they're worse this year coming in than they were last year. And then look at the South. You're looking at Houston and Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville's going to take good steps this year. 
I don't know what good steps means. It might mean six, seven wins, but it's certainly not going to be Urban Meyer bad. And Houston's going to play hard, and Davis Mills is okay. But nobody's looking at that like either one of those two teams even really needs to be discussed as much as I just discussed them. So I think that it's easy to look at those divisions and forget there are two teams there. I think Green Bay's winning that division, but at the same time, I'm not going to be shocked if they take a massive step back because I just think that Devontae Adams meant a lot to Aaron Rodgers at this stage in his career. I know he made Jordy Nelson, and I know that he basically made Devontae Adams, but I think Devontae Adams is going to be just fine. I think he's going to be okay with the Raiders, with his buddy Derek Carr. I think they I think they have a potent offense with him and Waller and Renfro. I like the makeup, plus Josh McDaniels. But I agree. Like K fan, they're they're right to be a little bit yeah. a little bit miffed at you there, Aaron. The yeah. Vikings deserve more respect than to be looped in there with the Bears and the Lions. That's absolutely true. I agree. And and as I said, you know, sometimes you know, listen, like the JJ Reddick stuff, like if I if I believe I'm right, I will be defiant. This is one where I gotta take the L. I I, I did probably lump the Vikings unfairly with the Bears and Lions very, very, very quick because we gotta get to break. The Lions, you know, I, I'll say this is you know, Bernie bringing up the fact that there's no primetime games, they don't play a game on the West Coast, so there's not a lot of travel. Every single one of their kickoffs is a uh, is a 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff, except for Thanksgiving Day, which is a 12:30 Eastern kickoff. But I'll say this: I'm looking at their schedule right now. They play, I mentioned a minute ago the 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 Chiefs play 10 of their first 12 games against teams that made the playoffs last year. The Lions play six total teams that made the playoffs, six total games that made the playoffs last year. They play the Packers twice, most notably. You look at their schedule, man. They play, you know, they play the Bears, obviously, twice. They play the Giants. They play the Jaguars. They play the Jets. I don't know what that over-under win total is for Dan Campbell and the fighting kneecaps, biting kneecaps, whatever you want to call them. They might, they might surprise some people, and when I say surprise people, I'm not saying 9-8, and eight, I'm not saying 11-6 and six or whatever. I could see them winning like five, six games, though. They play hard. They play really hard. Goff is not bad. Goff's right in there with those Cousins-Tannehill comparisons, but Goff's been to a Super Bowl. Goff Goff has played well with talent around him. I think that they outperformed their talent last year. They didn't have a terrible draft. I don't really buy into Aiden Hutchinson, but we'll see. I could easily be wrong about that. I think they've done well, and I like Dan Campbell. This is Fox Sports Radio. I didn't mean to cut you off there. This is Fox Sports Radio. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. One segment left. We go back to the NBA, let you know what you need to know about two game sevens. Aaron Torres, Jason Martin, Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, everybody. Fox Sports Radio, Aaron Torres, Jason Martin. One segment left. Bernie Fratto, the top of the hour. Straight out of Vegas, he'll get you ready for those two game sevens in the NBA playoffs tomorrow. Also have plenty on the NFL schedule release. By the way, since last week I didn't have enough time, I cut myself off. I want to thank the crew before we get out of here. Iowa Sam on the boards, giving himself a round of applause. That's kind of weird, not going to no, lie. No, it's for everyone. Oh, 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 it's for everybody. Okay. You said the crew, okay? You just started with me, though. Producer Eric, appreciate your help. Producer Bo will be back soon. He, of course, uh, just had his first baby. We're excited for Bo to say around the updates. Jason Martin and I wrapping up the show. All right, Jason, two game sevens tomorrow. First one, 3.30 Eastern. Milwaukee versus Boston. The game is in Boston. Uh, Milwaukee obviously coming off that loss in game six. 
What do you make of this one? Jason Tatum with 46 points uh, in Game 6. An unbelievable effort, but what stood out to me was the fact that Jalen Brown had 20-plus points, Marcus Smart had 20-plus points, and I kind of believe that that this was the first game that it really felt like the Milwaukee Bucks really needed a second guy. Giannis going for 40-22 and 22 in Game 6. It wasn't enough. Game 7 in Boston, 3.30 Sunday. Yeah, I, you could argue that Boston should have won Game 5, outplayed them, and then didn't pull it off. That puts them in a situation they find themselves in where they have to win a Game 7 here. I'm just I'm going to put it on Giannis and say, I know what you're capable of. And just feel like he's going to find a way. I think Drew will play solid defense again, and but he's going to need to score. But they're just going to have to. They're going to have to have contributions from role players on the road in a game seven, and that might not be a smart prediction for me to make because Boston at home, they play such great team basketball. They could easily, and Tatum is capable of going for fifty if they need it. I think it should be a whale of a game. I think it's going to be close. I think it's going to be a heck of fun to watch. I'm going to take Milwaukee because I think Giannis is the best in the world, and I think he is at a level now where if he needs to take it there, he can take it there. My concern with Milwaukee is, besides the fact that there's no obvious number two behind Giannis, when they've won these games, one, it's been pretty close, and then two, there, there was a couple that, frankly, they could have lost. I mean, game three, which happened right before we came on air last week on last Saturday, uh, I think it was like a 12-14 point lead they had, they end up blowing the lead then they end up winning the game that was the Marcus Smart controversial did he shoot it was he in the act of shooting he wasn't one less foul shot miss at the buzzer uh, or miss foul shot then two three shots at the buzzer the Milwaukee holds on to win that game and then prior to that game five is or not prior to that but but prior to game seven tomorrow game five the last game in Boston was a one possession game I'm actually going to go with Boston and by the way it looks like Vegas has it as about a four and a half point spread with Boston being favored now money has come in on Milwaukee Milwaukee, but I just look at Milwaukee and I just sit there and say Giannis is the best player in the world. I'm not. It's not so much that I'm betting against him. I mean, I guess I am metaphorically betting against him. It's just the fact that th- these games have been really close. Milwaukee easily could have lost two of these other ones. Uh, in, in some ways, lucky to be here. Game the second game later in the evening. Phoenix a six point favorite against the Dallas Mavericks. I'll take. I'll say this really quick, Jason. I really do think. I thought the Chris Paul slander was a little bit much coming out of Game 6. Dallas is a nice story. Dallas, I don't want to say they're happy to be here. They're they're, they're in a Game 7 to win this thing, but I just look at it. I know you said it earlier in the show. I think it's a sentiment that most of us that cover sports feel. It just feels like if Luka doesn't go for 40-10-10, do they have enough around him? I don't know. I do like Phoenix to win this game. I do too. I think this is the game where you realize that Luka's going to have to have a running buddy, as everybody in the NBA does now. And that look, if Milwaukee loses, a lot of that's probably going to be because Giannis wasn't enough against a great basketball team, and they needed Middleton out there. They needed somebody because there's nobody else to score. So that's it's going to be dependent upon that. But I think when it comes down to it, there's just more horses for Phoenix to rely on. Book, Aiton needs to play well. Uh, Bridges, obviously, is is a big factor. And then you've got CP3. And I just I feel like they're in a spot where you want them to be 
and Lucas just not quite enough on his own. Even if he goes out there and has an unbelievable performance, which he very well might, I think they come up short, and I think Luca then goes to the ownership, and he's like, all right, you guys got to do something. You got to do something, and you need to do it now. Yeah, it just doesn't feel like they're quite there yet, a little bit like Memphis last night. We got to get out of here again. Thank the crew, Iowa Sam on the boards, producer Eric DeSager, Bernie Fratto coming up straight out of Vegas. He's going to have you ready for those two games. Also, Make sure you to download the podcast if you missed any of tonight's show. We'll be back next Saturday. Bernie Fratto next. With the new Dexcom G7, you can achieve better diabetes results without painful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or watch, so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affects your glucose, making it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. That's Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card... Right this way. It's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.